Listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast. The year is 2020. It sure is. This is the podcast where we travel back in time uh, using our 2020 hindsight uh, to see, you know, have a look at a year in pop cultural history via the lens of the ARIA charts, the Australian Recording Industry Association charts, and see what was hitting the number one spot in a year, in this case, 2020. Yeah, 2020, Tom, we're into, the, we're into our current decade. We are. The decade that we are recording. All the way up from the 80s to... Absolutely, right to now. So we're, we're very close to present day, so much to the point that I can remember all of these songs, you know, pre- <laughs> <laughs> all of these classic hits. There's a few years in the past where I'm like, I don't know any of these, but 2020, Tom, I know them all like the back mm, of my hand. There's yep. so many great tracks in here. Um, I was locked in my house for most of this year, as you were and most oh, other don't Australians. Know what you're about it. I'd so, and what I what I recall from 2020 is that I spent some time watching watching Rage, mm. watching that uh, because no one had anything to do at all. Oh, there was Tiger King. There was Tiger King, (laughs) correct, correct. Uh, That really captured the hearts and minds of the entire world and then it's something that I feel like almost as quickly as it arrived, it sort Mm. of disappeared. I think there were a couple of big budget feature films made in a sequel, but yeah. Yeah, that were delayed until release this year, I think 2023, they probably brought Looking back at it now, it really does have a touch of the uh, forcibly trapped indoors about it. Absolutely right, yeah. A lot of the songs on this feel like that uh, <laughs> they hit number one just because people were stuck inside yeah. and had a revolving playlist that just went going and going and going while you're telling your kids to, you know, get off a chair or something like that. So, look, it's um, a lot of hits, though, for my mind. Well, when I say a lot of hits, um, a couple of songs this year that, that I don't I don't actually mind. No, which is, no, which makes a nice change from the last, well, decade. Yeah, the Black Eyed Peas <laughs> days where 25 to 50% of the entire year was made up of Will I Am yes. bullshit and then the rest was made up of some other trash. Um, that were tough, tough years oh, to get through, but I feel like 2020, there's a couple in here that I'm like, you know what, yeah. I'm not, not angry about this. There were, um, there were a couple that actually feel like hip-hop as opposed to hip-house, which is that bastard child of <laughs> yeah. shitty Florida hip-hop and shitty Florida EDM that we've had to listen to for yeah, the last exactly fucking right. decade. Exactly. Not not as much flow rider in 20, <laughs> the 2020s, I think. Less aren't have... flow, but also less will I am. Yeah, that's, you know? yeah, exactly. So you take the good with the bad, I guess. So what can you tell me about the decade before we sure, kick off on, sure. the, on the tracks? Well, if you can, you know... Pick up your old black and white photo album and squint <laughs> your eyes and look back at 2020. Uh, what happened? Uh, not much. I mean, I don't remember much. Do you? It's weird. It's like it's like <laughs> someone used powerful chemicals to burn a large hole in my brain where my memories of 2020 would normally be. It's so weird. I just think nothing yeah. happened. You couldn't yeah. go anywhere. You couldn't leave the state or your empty your city. Hole in my brain. You I couldn't. Want, hang on. There's a post-it note on the edge of the hole that says buy more gin 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Hang on. Well, if I check the magical computer box, yep. uh, I'm told that some sort of disease caused a mild disruption to interstate bus services. Yep. Uh, world record bushfires ravaged Australia and came terrifyingly close to interrupting Scott Morrison's holiday plans. Mm. America nearly started a war with Iran. Racial inequity was protested all over the world. Fuck, something good must have happened in 2020. Hang on, there's another post-it note here. Uh, The Last of Us 2 came out. Also, buy more vermouth as well. (laughs) Okay, good. Oh, and Professor Donald Trump successfully lost his fourth election after losing to Hillary Clinton by four million votes losing the House of Representatives in the midterms after all his candidates lost, uh, losing the election to Joe Biden with the biggest voter turnout in history, and then losing the recount of the election when it was proved that he'd not only definitely lost the first time, but after the recount, it was shown that he'd actually lost by more votes than in the original count, uh, meaning that not only did he manage to lose the same election twice, he actually lost harder the second time at his own insistence. That's good, yeah. Moving the mathematics of being a fucking loser into a quantum realm of math that scientists are still trying to understand to this day. He'll be running next year, Tom, so maybe sure. you can sort of double down well, on Well, he side. lost his fifth election uh, last year when they all his candidates lost the midterms again, so fingers crossed for number six yep. uh, in 2024. Uh, in movie news, the big hits of the year were unusually five Chinese movies you haven't seen and an anime sequel that you haven't seen either. <laughs> providing a terrifying vision of the future where China makes its own trash blockbusters and America's entire export economy is reduced to iPhone upgrades and cluster bombs. Yeah. Yeah. On the Western side of the movies, it was Bad Boys for Life, Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> the Doolittle reboot that everyone was crying out for, and Tenet. Four movies so desperate to rewind time that you could use them to jumpstart the TARDIS. Mm, uh, the soundtrack of the year was probably uh, Trolls 2 colon Trolls World Tour. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, Bad Boys for Life did feature two Jaden Smith joints. Did it? Uh, including one called Ritmo and one called The Hottest, which contains the line, I'm the hottest, you can hear it in my voice. Uh, dude, mostly what I can hear in your voice is being 21. You sound like the teenager from The Simpsons who runs the hot dog counter. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard his, his singing voice? I've heard some of his material. <laughs> it's not good, Tom. Um, I haven't heard his work from that soundtrack, though. Was he in the film? Was he? Did he, did he get a role in the Bad Boys for Life film? Or? I honestly haven't seen it. Okay. I haven't seen... That's the third one, right? I think um, I, I pieced out after Bad Boys 2, I So believe. Will Smith is is sort of... Obviously, he spent a good portion of his career trying to get his kid, uh, Jaden Smith, yes. into his films. And then everyone said, oh, he has no charisma and he's dog shit at acting. Yes. So Will said, well, okay, can we get him on the soundtrack <laughs> at least? Is that where we're going to now? So. To the point, he's sort of lifeless to the point where you start to think... I think maybe he doesn't even want to be on this big budget movie. Yeah. See, like it's got a touch of your dad, Dad's divorced dad, trying to get you on a camping holiday <laughs> thing. And like you sort of, you know, teenagers are never very good at feigning enthusiasm at the best of times. Yep. Yeah. Look, I, I think Tom, um, he will have a role in the future where he can, I think, probably prove himself. If they reboot Weekend at Bernie's, yeah. I think he can probably play... Bernie, I think 
playing a lifeless corpse might be within the realms of his talent. Um, and I think it would be great as well because I'd love to see that film redone uh, now. Mm. But of course, obviously, we'd probably need um, an all-female cast for the weekend at Bernie's. So, yes. Um, which I'm, I'm fine with. I, you know, I don't sure. have a problem with that. But I sort of you know, think that that's how Hollywood sort of... They want to try and mix it up a little bit. And I'm happy, I'd be happy with that. A weekend mm. at Bernadette's or something like that. <laughs> sure. But if they do do a weekend at Bernie's, a straight reboot... Jaden Smith as a dead body that gets carried around a bit I think yeah. he is born for that role because anything where he needs to talk or do anything he's not very good at yeah I mean like I've heard people with worse flow rapping wise but his voice is just it really does sound like it hasn't broken yet he doesn't yep. have a lot of per- personality in the voice if you're curious uh, Ritmo is the better song of the two but only <laughs> because it uses Will I Am's AB technique to completely rip off Rhythm of the Night by Karuna <laughs> which is yeah. a far better song than both songs by Subsidies seriously it's about two thirds Rhythm of the Night about one quarter Will I Am rapping and the rest is made up by a teenager in a beanie who doesn't seem 100% sure he wants to be there. So Jaden Smith has, in effect, kick-started the Eurodance renaissance. Hey, he it's sort part of, of it. He got there a little That's bit before right. Beyonce. That's right. Well, yep. I can't argue with that. Absolutely. Sure. Like, so what have we got song-wise? All right, Tom. Well, new decade, new beginning, Oh, new sorry. Hopes. One thing. Sorry. Always forget to say this. If you want to follow on... Follow oh, yeah. the YouTube link in There's the, YouTube in the link, playlist yeah. if you want to watch and, the um, And I'm going to... I've decided, Tom, I've seen what other podcasts do. Yeah. And uh, I got hit up this week <laughs> via email. Mm-hmm. Someone saying, Dear dear Ben and Tom, um, would you like to use my services to make a website <laughs> for your podcast? And I assume it's either a bot or some sort yeah. of scam or some sort of... Uh, I don't know, he just emails everybody and mm-hmm. hopes that he gets a bit of a bite. But what I, what I have come to realise is that um, we don't do anything. We don't have a website, we don't do any... Prim- I've got no, an Instagram account true. that I haven't updated for, for two years. So I'm going to start doing that thing where um, you can follow along at home using the YouTube links, but maybe well, what I'll do is these podcasts go for two, two and a half hours. We should be able to find 20 seconds of quality <laughs> material in that and we'll, we'll cut that down. TikTok. We'll, we'll put it up on, on the TikTok yep. and we'll be like, ah, oh, what's this thing? It's great. And then, also, we need merch. We, we do need merch, yeah. And then people will be like, I had to wade through three hours of them talking mm. about some bullshit to hear that, that 20 <laughs> seconds of quality, but that's okay. Hey, that's like Jaden Smith's acting career. you got to sort of it's funny, go through the whole thing together say that because one thing that did actually happen today it sounds going to sound like I'm making this up for convenience but I was on I was um, no it might have been yesterday I was looking through Twitter and I just saw say today it's sort of yeah sure today it happened, it today. Was Twitter, happened just yesterday now, which yeah. was even weirder but um, I saw a joke that we had made that was being used by a couple of people on Twitter oh. and yeah so clearly you know either you know, just coincidentally, someone else had made exactly the same joke, yep. which is quite possible. Or, more likely, we're already famous in the Twitter sphere, <laughs> you know, and we've just people, got a people figure ripping off our which, shit. That's right. Damn. We've got to we've got to get a we've got to copyright some of this oh, girl. Yeah, it was sure. the one about how um, uh, talking about Ticketmaster, how uh, Eddie Vedder had been warning people about Ticketmaster for years, except no one could understand him. Yep, because you know and yeah. it was just like him. Trying to type out what it sounded like, you know, 
my impression was way people, better. People obviously, because I've out, got the voice of an angel. But fucking <laughs> knocking off our Eddie Vedder <laughs> impersonators. Right. Nothing is sacred. Fucking. There's out. no possible way that another person might have arrived <laughs> at that same joke just, just by accident, just by listening to, to Eddie Vedder and being like, "Fuck, he's, no one can make any of his That's lyrics." Right. Or that he was the Taylor Swift of the day at the oh, time, and no there was doubt. like no one else, no more popular singer in the whole world. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to the music, sure. Tom. So starting off with some gold. New decade, new beginnings, new hopes, new dreams, new art, mm-hmm. new culture, new music. <laughs> uh, well, in theory, all of those things. But what we got were three more weeks of Dance Monkey. That's the people right. just couldn't get enough. Um, look, I think what I will say is that we had what six months of Dance Monkey, yes. roughly at the 20, end of last year. Twenty-four weeks total, then including f- this three, and then a few break weeks with uh, I think Mariah Carey. She yeah. does, she's number yeah. one every year in December from now until the end of time, I imagine, because no one's ever going to write another Christmas song that has any relevance <laughs> ever again. So yeah, we get a couple more weeks of this. Um, what I've noticed though, Tom, is that. This is back 2019 predominantly with Dance Monkey, a little bit mm-hmm. 2020. Here we are in 2023, and there hasn't been a follow-up to her seminal Welcome to the Madhouse album yet. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I don't know what tone... Mm. I know that we did mention that uh, she got married, I think, earlier this year. Sure. Might be taking a break from you know music, but you know it's been four years. She's released the biggest song in the history of the ARIA charts, but we haven't got that yet. I mean, would that be your most anticipated album of of 2023, (laughs) assuming that we're fortunate enough to get it this Mm. year? Would that be, you know, sort of Tones and I's follow-up to Welcome to the Man? That's high on your list? Sure. Yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, it is technically possible that she did release another song at some point since Dance Monkey, but sadly, (laughs) history will never know because they've already forgotten her. Yeah, exactly. We're the only people talking about it. People at home are going tunes and who? They don't know who she is, yeah. So the album, you're right, Tom, the follow-up album has not come yet, but Tones and I, she's really writing the non-album single hard. Iggy yep. Azalea style, um, which I've come to learn non-album album single actually just means failed attempts to deliver another hit for the next album that has gone nowhere, uh, so they just yes. don't worry about putting them on the album. So they, they just keep releasing singles until there's a hit, and then it's like, oh great, we've got we've got a hook for the new album, and I do sure. that. So she's released about twenty five non album singles, I think, at this point, because uh, not yes. that many, but they're all garbage. So well, maybe this we were talking about that last week about artists maybe in in the future just saying, well, I'm just not going to release an album anymore. I'm just going to yeah, I think singles. so. Perhaps this is why that hasn't happened yet. Is because you know you just don't get the payday that you get or the cultural impact yet still. People still think in album terms, perhaps, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think or maybe it's just because they were complete bullshit and no one cared. <laughs> Probably. I mean, there's always hope, you know. There is always hope. I'm still waiting for that uh, Kajagoogoo follow-up. Oh, album, for sure. Know? Absolutely. And Definitely. That, uh, well, look... Um, second Euroglide is Yeah, I mean, Kajagoogoo, uh, we might not ever get that, but Lamal too did. Shy to... Lamal, obviously, yes. sort of no. went solo and he's Destroyed had such a, such a storied career with the... <laughs> the theme song from Never Ending Story <laughs> and a lot of other stuff I'm sure as well um, today but look so three more weeks of Dance Monkey um, we 
may never have to talk about Tones and I ever again. Is that a yeah. fair assessment in this podcast? Because I don't think she's going to get back to the top of the charts. No, no. I was going to make a joke about millennial attention spans here, but okay. weirdly, the opposite effect continues within the charts. As we said, 2020 is another year, just like the last five, where the pattern of big hits squatting at number one for long periods continues. Yep. You know, if young people are all easily distracted goldfish now, then that's not reflected by any sort of capricious desire for a new song every week, you know. Give him a one-hit wonder about a dancing monkey sung by a chick from Frankston doing a shithouse Bjork impression, and they're happy for six full months, apparently. Yeah, exactly. That's all people want, so... Who says young people have got no concentration these days? I want to know, do plays from Cole's radio count (laughs) for the Aria charts? Because they're doing their own thing. That's true. You know, they're sort of, you know, forging their own path. I suspect... If they did, we'd be seeing a lot more Run to Paradise. A lot more Run the, to Paradise. The, the yeah, 2021 exactly right. charts. Yep, and those snow follow-up <laughs> singles that you've forgotten about. But yeah, they're not really... Because that's it, I think. I'd rather... I'd like to see a bit more of uh, input from the radio station because when you yeah. leave it up to the public itself to just stream endless that's playlists right. of bullshit, you get this sort of stuff where it's just Tones and I for... Oh, for, mm. for too long. 24 weeks is insane. So, look, anyway, we can move on. You got anything else to no, say about tonight? No, please. Never again. Um, Let's move on. So, yeah, look, anyway, up next, 27th of Jan for, I think, 11 weeks 11 total. Weeks. Yep. Correct. The weekend, Blinding Lights, Tom. Yeah. I Look, I quite like this one. I'm happy to admit it. Yep. Uh, it's rare to have a number one that's not dodgy as hell in one way or another, but this, I think this is just a sort of well-produced, like, electro-pop song. With that rad video. I, yeah. I love the fucking video for this. It's sort of... It's retro without being a pastiche of a specific point in time. Like, yeah. it borrows from the 80s, but it still sounds pretty contemporary. And the video is a bit nostalgic without just being the graphic from some vaporwave beats to chill to playlist. Like a music video that I was watching the other night, which just looked like one of those 80s retro t-shirts, just <laughs> animated. And given the weekend's previous stuff, it also plays as organic. It's not like that Kanye video where he was in love with Daft Punk and Akira for two weeks and then got distracted by a yeah. bundle of keys on a string and some Nazis in the corner. But yeah, I, I mean, what did you think? Oh, you, I you completely fan? agree. Look, as you said, it, it is a massive throwback to the 80s. Sounds like it could have oh, come 100%. out any time. Yeah early to mid-80s, but The weekend, not his real name, obviously, put together a solid, as you said, electro sort of pop song. I remember during the lockdown, my kids must have played this about two to 3,000 times. Oh, wow, okay. They really liked this one as well, Um, liked the video clip, they love watching it. Uh, But unlike Dance Monkey, which I've probably (laughs) also heard a lot of times, when this comes on, I don't feel the need to Mm. jump out a window into an active volcano. So Also lucky as well... he had that song around this time that has that line about fucking someone in front of the fireplace or something. <laughs> this guy was saying, my kids love that song and they won't, I have to keep playing it and I just have to keep hoping they don't know what that this is a reference to this one. Absolutely. Just got this one sketchy line in the middle of it. But yeah, also, the, as you said, the video clip it sort of has that sort of um, a little bit, you know, he's driving a car all of a sudden yeah. it's covered in blood you're not quite sure what's happened there's a little bit of like non-linear storytelling yeah. within that so it's like an interesting kind of like and and that sort of outfit that he wears he's, I think he's sort of sort of that's the theme of this album yes. I guess he's all, always wearing the sort of same costume throughout the video yeah. clips and whatnot. but um, yeah. yeah good song good video clip definitely feeling well, this the video uh, uh, in November of 
previous year, 2019, The Weeknd collaborated with Mercedes-Benz to release a snippet of the track alongside a commercial of the company's first all-electric car. Okay. The song's official release came, like, minutes later, and that was accompanied by a full-length version of the commercial which featured the track, and the video features the car fairly heavily, too. Yep. Like, he's in a car yes. for half the video. I mean, I don't know about you, Ben, but nothing says rock and roll outlaw to me like efficient brand synergy. Efficient yeah. brand synergy and also um, just uh, environmentally conscious as well, Tom, yes. with his electric car sort of thing. <laughs> well, so. that's true, I guess. Yeah. So I, I don't think Motley Crue would have uh, <laughs> been burning no. down the highway. They would have been finding a vehicle that uh, burnt as much yeah. petrol as physically possible. Sorry gas in America as possible. So. I mean, on the plus side, the video is pretty rad, as we've discussed, and it continues directly from his previous video from this album, yep. which was the Anton Tammy-directed Heartless, which shows that young artists are still being influenced by the epic Don't Cry a Strange November Rain video trilogy <laughs> uh, to create. Without, same as that, without ever apparently feeling the need to publicise that, just making sort of... Uh, consecutive videos yeah. I look forward to the weekend's next video featuring a visibly shit-faced extra diving headfirst into a wedding cake for no obvious reason and then swimming with dolphins in custom high tops yeah absolutely I think so yeah those custom high tops are sick um, that Axel had in definitely probably all those videos certainly are strange I remember that but mm. uh, you're right I think the trilogy that's unannounced is is the way to go yeah. so I think Daft Punk did that as well remember with those animated ones yes they did a whole little feature it, yeah. film thing and there's actually another one coming up this year along these lines too okay I th- yeah I, I, think, I love these videos yeah no they're, they're really good I think when someone says I'm doing a trilogy of videos and they announce it and then they get to and then part two is dog shit yeah. and then they never get it to part three because everyone's like I never fucking <laughs> wanted the other bits of that so yeah also I mean not only are they both sort of gorgeous high end tributes to being fucked up on drugs in Las Vegas yeah including visual nods to fear and loathing uh, but it's also always good to see some quality pack-a-day style cigarette smoking oh, in yeah, videos absolutely. these days. You don't see you that don't. much on screen, even on TV or whatever. And when you do see it in TV and stuff, often it's actors who clearly don't really know how to smoke. No. Like if you've ever, if you ever actually smoked, you can tell when someone knows how to smoke. Yeah, you know. The clue is that uh, when people do smoke, they smoke it all the way down to the butt because that's where they keep the heroin. They, you know? <laughs> they don't throw <laughs> they don't it away. Just after. Take two awkward, awkward puffs, then try to unsuccessfully stub out a whole cigarette in a spotless ashtray yep. that hasn't been used. Whereas he looks like he's just two puffs away from passing out in a fucking fountain. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Great. Look, Tom, I guess um, seeing this is the first time The weekend's featured, we should probably, a small rundown of what is The weekend story, I guess. Yeah, I He's believe born in Toronto. We mentioned him before, but... It... He hasn't had a number one. This no, is the first number one he's no. had. So he's from Toronto, yep. uh, Canada, obviously, 17 years of age, dropped out of school, went, I'm going all in on music. Mm-hmm. Um, he he moved into an apartment in the neighbourhood of Parkdale in Toronto okay. with two friends, two of his best friends. One of them is now his creative director who works with him on various mm-hmm. things throughout his career. And he's described this period of life as when he dropped out of school at 17, got an apartment and just started working on music as, quote, like the 1995 film Kids Without the AIDS, end quote, Tom. 
So that's. Uh, so it was just having sex with <laughs> underage virgins constantly. It's, it's, it's an interesting way to describe your life. Um, so if you want to know what it was like being the weekend when yeah. he was 17, get the film Kids out from your local video store, hire that out, preferably on VHS. Watch that film um, and just remember it's exactly like that, but in his world, no one had yeah. the AIDS, so um, yeah. I don't know. No, he also claimed that, said that around this time he also experienced homelessness, was incarcerated on several occasions, and often used drugs and abused illegal substances like ketamine, cocaine, MDMA, magic mushrooms, and cough syrup. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in December 2016, he stated that drugs were a crutch for him when it came to writing music. Okay. Which, probably, that's why he looks so convincing, slouched drunkenly over a <laughs> fountain, punching a dart in Vegas. Also, the weird thing about those videos, and I watched, realised after watching them, in terms of, especially if you think about them in terms of product placement for a very expensive brand, yep. is that if you watch those two videos in order... Like yep. the the, other, the heartless than this one, he's totally fucked when he's driving the car. Yeah, like forget about you know a couple of bevies, too many at the pub. He's been like licking toadbacks and chucking whiteies and shit like he's that. Ruined. Yep. He's ruined. He's hallucinating while driving a car, yep. which is a weird ad for a car, really. I mean, I know he's famous, but you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Look, I guess you know you take whatever product placement you know spots you can get. I guess <laughs> sure. no matter what you're hey, doing. Hey, it's so. a good song, you know. I'd, I'd take this over Post Malone. You know? Oh, absolutely. So look, um, as we mentioned that his life is like kids without oh, the sorry, AIDS. Yeah, um, no, 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 it's fine. He uh, was originally releasing music anonymously, so he did that. Oh, okay. had, he had several mixtapes where he'd released um, without his name on there, obviously under... I think he even had a name before The Weeknd. Just chose like that hip-hop? Um, sort of more like dark electronic music. Oh, okay. I guess you could okay. say well, dark wave-ish, kind of. Oh, like more EDM. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit like that, but um, yeah, more electronic, darker, but he still was using that falsetto sort of type ah, vocal okay. style he's yep. known for, which is sort of not something you would expect from sort of, I guess, a dark no. electronic type music. But anyway, so he was releasing it anonymously and he claims that while he was working at American Apparel at the time... Mm-hmm working there uh, that his co-workers would play his songs oh okay because he you know he was starting to blow up a little yep. bit on the like the SoundCloud or sure. whatever the fuck they had before <laughs> SoundCloud and uh, but nice he, j- he just wouldn't tell them they'd be like oh check this track out and he'd be like oh yeah it's cool isn't it so he's, that's when he sort of knew that he had a little bit of something that just mm. random people were playing the song this could be a fake backstory you know people yeah. love to pull this shit out I was at American Apparel and my friends were playing the songs and I didn't <laughs> tell them because I was anonymous what, and then that's what yeah. do you think is more likely that or that he was one of those guys you work with who finds out where the auxiliary cord is and then no one ever gets to touch it ever again for <laughs> yeah, the probably. entire time you work there and just he was putting them on mysteriously these songs by a guy you've never heard on keep yep. popping up all the time people in my workplace were listening to my music because I was forcing them to and they had no idea what the fuck was going on I so. worked with a guy uh, a graphic designer once who was a big fan of um, Father of Two big fan of Ingwie Malmsteen and uh, who does Black Label Society Oh, like Zach Wilde. Zach Wilde, yeah. And he would sometimes practice his shredding at home and then burn it to a CD and bring it in to work. So you'd come in work at 9am in the morning and say, how was your night? And he'd go, oh, I was up doing some quality shredding. Check this out. And then he'd just <laughs> play. He'd go, he'd do that. That's another auxiliary cord guy trick. He used to go, do you want to hear some? 
And if there's a pause longer than two seconds, then he goes, yeah, and then... Just plugs straight, <laughs> straight, in. straight in. That two-second pause counts as a, counts as a scent. Yeah. So then at nine o'clock in the morning, you're listening to some quality amateur <laughs> shredding, Zach yeah. Wilde-style yeah. shredding. That sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> I'd take that over some of the tracks from the oh, last decade. Oh, it was better than smooth jazz at my previous yeah, job. for yeah. sure, for sure. So, yeah, that's so I guess that's where we started out, all that sort of shit, yep. um, American Apparel, then gained a bit of mainstream attention with a track on the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, which the one sucked. that had a surprisingly good soundtrack, but yeah, this, yeah. that song is not it one was of pretty the boring. Hits. But then he followed that up with um, his track, The Hills, and obviously the rather catchy, I think The Hills is quite a popular song, and um, the rather catchy I Can't Feel My Face ah, back yes, in 2015. That was a big hit. So he yeah. had those two two songs back to back um, both of those were uh, I think reached the charts in Australia top 10 but didn't yep. make it to number one and then uh, for the next album after that after 2015 he had a few singles uh, with Daft Punk he did a couple of Daft yes. Punk collaborations yeah he's and, definitely on their wavelength and both of those Daft Punk collaborations landed at number two and four respectively on the charts so, okay. pro- so back 2015 16, 17 he had a heap of top 10 yep. singles but um, wasn't until this that it was his first number one and since then uh, he's been alternating between dropping some some pretty good pop songs I think like mm-hmm. compared to the general shit we're used to like I like this song and other ones that he's done I Can't Feel My Face obviously a good one and he's also released some straight garbage for soundtracks as well uh, previously mentioned Fifty Shades of Grey some trash for Game of Thrones he did a track on that and uh, Avatar Way of the Water as well. So, <laughs> And all of those songs are, are straight garbage, but his work outside of soundtracks mm. generally better than what we're, we're used to on this podcast. So thank you to The weekend for, yeah. for doing some stuff that one little, doesn't me want to punch myself in the face. Yeah. One little recent addendum too. Yeah, like uh, I think this, this would be between 2020 and now, but yep. he's uh, recently announced that he's... Doesn't want to be called the weekend anymore. The rock, oh. he's sick, like the rock. He's sick of being called he? uh, the weekend. He wants to be called Abel Tesfe, which yep. is his real name. Okay, uh, to, I don't know how to pronounce the surname, so f- forgive me. Um, in case you're wondering his nationality, he was born in Canada to Ethiopian immigrants, as you just said. He grew up in Canada. So yeah. So he's ditching the weekend. He's going with his real name from now and on. I think the reason he's Perfect. doing that is because he wants to get into acting, and he's currently starring in a show called The Idol, isn't he, Tom? <laughs> which is meant to be a bit of a hate watch. I've heard for yeah, some people. Yeah. Where he, what is he? He plays like some sort of music mogul slash. He plays like a cult leader. Yeah, or cult something. cult leader type character. Yeah, absolutely. So I've heard he's a bit of a plank. Yes. So his, but I mean, his first role, I guess. First yeah. first thing I saw him in was uh, he was in Uncut Gems. Oh, okay. As so, himself, though, okay. he, he ah, was right. playing yep. the weekend in Uncut Gems. Did he pull that off? Uh, he was able to pull that <laughs> off. I, I can't. I think he had like two lines or something like that, and it was <laughs> sure. you know just in the background while Adam. Sandler was like doing something yep. that made you something twitchy. just really like ah you know like have you seen Uncut Gems I started watching it twice and yep. it made me uh, very it's anxiety inducing yes. so um, what, it's, it's, I'm, I'm fairly good for anxiety yeah. really I don't really need a top up mm. <laughs> over a two hour <laughs> but I've heard it's great so maybe I should push through yeah it, Adam Sandler is, is quite an interesting character isn't he because he when is. he wants to 
he can do yes, a good acting job, he can. like he did in, in Uncut Gems, and I've seen him in some other films where it's punch like drunk life punch drunk exactly. Quite good in, yeah. When he wants to, he can do good stuff, but at the same time, I feel like that um, <laughs> he's also prepared to take the easy option out, <laughs> which mm, is just mm. some bullshit where he does a, a wacky voice yes. with the worst script one can imagine. Look, it's and not his just, fault if people keep giving him ten million dollars no, to take his mates on holiday. Exactly. You know? Look, the power to him Stare if Netflix is going to offer him. Speed, yeah, yeah. If you Rob Schneider, <laughs> here's 20 million dollars to hang out with Jennifer Aniston and do some bullshit. It's like, yeah, fair enough, I can do that. So, um, so he's in Uncut Gems, and as you said, The Idol, yep, he, he actually co created The Idol, Tom. This is a show uh, that he yes, created himself. That, that gives it that element of hubris that often moves the show from just bad up to uh, yep. enjoyably shithouse where someone's put a bit of themselves into it, and you know. Yeah. Because apparently he's really obnoxious and sort of, and also like a real sort of sex pest. Definitely kind a of creeper. Character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Tom he described it as uh, like Bohemian Rhapsody, the Freddie Mercury story, but without the AIDS. I think that's sort of um, how he actually described the show, from <laughs> mm, what I understand. But look, has it received mm. the best reviews so far? As you said, a couple of episodes in. Um, I don't think it's done the first series <laughs> as of yet, as we sort of speak. Have you actually Mate, watched? It? I haven't yet, um, uh, but I've seen a few articles where yeah, people. Yes. Uh, one review suggested that it quote single-handedly resurrected torture porn so that's interesting Uh, and he does say to Johnny Depp's daughter she's the lead in in, in this Mm. so it's good Um, I believe it features the line I want to grab you by the ass while I suffocate you with my cock now that could have been taken out of context (laughs) But also, it's within the show. He's mm. playing. She's playing a pop star. He's playing the weird sort of cult yes. leader type control element. So, look, I don't know. It's one of those things that I, I don't feel like I should comment on without actually watching. I Unlike know. most people who are just prepared <laughs> to have an opinion. It sounds like there's a few weird lines and a bit of like craziness. But yeah. his actual performance itself without watching it, I couldn't actually say what it's like. But um, I do know that... Um, There were a few issues with the production because the director of the show uh, was a female and then he said that, quote, um, she was providing too much of a woman's perspective. Mm. So she was... Telling him to be less of a fucking creep, probably. So she she left the production. Then they had to rewrite and refilm the whole series, apparently, after HBO had already spent tens Uh, of millions of dollars on it. So this is sort of like the second... Yeah. So I think that's why people are quite critical of it because the yes. whole show has been made. They've had a second go at it and now it's come out and people are like, oh, it's very uh, sort of yeah. boring. Like I think for the most part, it's not a super interesting show. Uh, okay. But then there's got the controversial like really yeah. forceful sex scenes and sort of, you know, those sort of things where it's like if the whole thing is interesting or has a different yes. perspective on things, you can sort of take some of these scenes where it may go a little bit too far and go, well, it's in the context of the show. But I think generally people have said, oh, it's Dog shit and it's yeah. exploitative of people. So yeah, I mean, I think some of the people involved were involved with Euphoria as well, which also had charges mm. level at it of being exploitative. Ironic, explo- I used to say like every ten years or so, something comes along. Kids was one of those things as well, <laughs> where someone goes. I'm going to do a shocking expose of what your children are getting up to when people aren't watching. And it's always 50%, you know, just hysterical nonsense, like current affair reports about 
kids smoking toad venom in your suburbs, you know, <laughs> because people secretly like the idea of dark things happening behind closed doors and 50% are just completely exploiting the concept of school kids, you know, fucking each other and taking drugs. And that's how I, that's one of the reasons I was never that interested in Euphoria. But yep. it sounds like Euphoria has good parts of it to counterbalance the exploitative nature, whereas this just seems like... Oh, look, maybe I'll watch it and then we can comment in the future. Yeah, so well, sorry. I, that that's fine. Look, talking about it too much. So maybe points off for, um, you know, the way that he's portrayed women in this show, but yeah. points on for this song <laughs> and also points on because he has a feud with Drake. Yes, definitely so points on points for points on for that. And, and he punched a cop punch. in Las Vegas once, so that's probably <laughs> points on as well, I assume. So if you don't punch the cops, they'll probably shoot you. He so licks okay. too many toads, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. So look, um, yeah, apparently, you know, Drake's from Canada, yeah, as we know. I was the weekend's say, from Canada. Background. I think after the weekend's first ever live performance, Drake was like, oh, yeah, come and, you know, work with my label or work yep. with me or something like that. And then um, he, the weekend, came out and said a few years later, like, oh, you know, I've written all these songs for my own album. And then Drake basically sort of took them from me and yep. put them on his album. So I feel like, you know, that wasn't... I was a young artist yeah. and sort of exploited to me. And then Drake came back and said, um, Abel co-wrote Shot For Me, Practice, was featured on Crew Love and The Ride, and that's it. So, um, so yeah, he's only co-written written or performed on like five songs on the album sure so, although I mean if I don't it's, have any if albums it's his word against Drake's you know but that's Drake sure. saying that that's what Drake said so Drake said <laughs> oh, oh yes yeah. so it's like he's own, he only wrote co-wrote or featured on like five mm. but who knows so maybe so if you split the difference between them he only wrote say eight songs on his ten song album yeah exactly whatever. so it's alright yeah, yeah. for sure so look I don't know um, yeah look I guess at the end of the day, you know, yeah, as I said, points on for that, for Drake Feud. Song itself, pretty good. Anything else to say about this? Uh, lyrics. Oh, lyrics, yeah. 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 Uh, credited to The Weeknd, producers Oscar Holter and Max Martin, our old mate. Max! Mm, Fucking he's hell. He's still on the charts. Jesus. He pops up again this year. Plus, Dude, just... frequent collaborators Belly and Dahila, who have also worked with acts like Beyonce, Future, Natalie Imbruglia and Little Peep who might be a rapper or a breakfast cereal mascot, Ben, there's yeah. simply no way to tell. I can't day. tell, I don't know. Uh, Sin City's cold and empty. No one's around to judge me. I can't see clearly when you're gone. I'm blinded by the lights. No, I can't sleep until I feel your touch. I'm drowning in the night. Uh, when I'm like this, you're the one I trust. Yeah, By top ten pop standards, this isn't bad at all. You know, It sort of alludes to being fucked up without being literal. Yep. And it merges perfectly with the video. There's like a sort of thematic loneliness at the city and the man and the song, which is sort of uh, redolent of so many unironic 80s jams, which were about, on your own in the city, <laughs> you know, big nights in the city, you know. Yep. And yeah, and this sort of manages to like sneer at itself without mocking the music like yeah. it's sort of yeah I, I just think it works really well it's really good um, video music meshing together perfectly oh definitely, definitely I would have watched I would have watched the third part if I knew what it was maybe there is part three the estranged if you will of the trilogy <laughs> yeah 
there's a the difficult um, third album. Yeah, he does a he does a duet with Ariana Grande, which is animated. I think. Oh, I'm not okay. Sure. I hope that's not the third part. Of the, sure. I have seen that video. Be the clip, first yeah. time she's been animated. Hello. All right. Um, so up next, Tom, for six weeks, it's uh, Saint John with roses. Yes, Saint J H N. I'm assuming that's John, pronounced uh, John. John. Yeah, I assume it's Saint John, just without you know the vowels. Yeah, so, and not Sinjin. I hope it's not Sinjin because sometimes I'm just gonna say Saint John. Yeah, I assume let's say it's Saint John. So yeah. look, this is a remix of a 2016 single mm. that Saint John released. He's a yep. Brooklyn rapper. Um, so I did that back then. Bit of an underground sort of rap. Song. I don't think it gained mm, much mainstream traction, no. but certainly in the underground had some support. And the original sounds absolutely nothing like this, to be honest. So uh, okay. they've taken the vocal hook yep. and then they've uh, sped it up, given it a dance beat. The original doesn't have a dance beat. And that's been all done by uh, Iman Beck, a teenager from Kazakhstan. Yeah, it's listed as a producer, but yeah, yep. I mean that. So he, the, the dude from Kazakhstan, it. effectively, yeah, just did the whole song with mm-hmm. the vocal sample from Saint John. Uh, I think this is the first number one we've discussed from a Kazakhstani <laughs> artist. <laughs> that's I right. believe, as far as I know, yeah. he hasn't done anything since. But who knows, he could be working yeah. on that Welcome to the Madhouse follow-up with Tones and I, I assume that's what's happening. He's locked away mm-hmm. at her studio down in Frankston doing that. Without another big hit, though, I think you'll be assigned to history as the Kazakhstani Lou <laughs> Baker. So, fingers crossed he can come out with something yes. else because no one wants to be known as the Kazakhstani Lou Baker. No. no uh, the remix, as you say, that song helped the song get international recognition after it was featured on a Snapchat filter. Uh, and, what? and TikTok, where it received over four and a half billion plays. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not even sure how plays work on TikTok. For all I know, that might not be very many plays for TikTok, but yeah. Uh, and then in 2020, a second remix produced by Key Global and Fallen was released with American rapper Future. Yeah. But I think... Oh, hang on. And then on July 17th, a second version of the Imenbeck remix was released featuring an extra verse by St. John and a featured verse by Colombian singer Jay Balvin. Okay. Which I think... There's about nine remixes. Yeah, it's so confusing that I honestly don't know which version is used in the video or who the people in it are or which of them are meant to be doing the vocals. Yeah, the video that I've seen... It's a sort of group of people in it. Yeah. In the video, the music video scene just seems to be that sort of vocal hook sort of slightly sped up or pitch shifted a yeah. bit. Without The one I've seen didn't have any like extra rapping by anyone else. So maybe I've only no. seen the original remix by our Kazakhstani but not, friend without... But not the 2016 version, no, no, which didn't no. have... Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't. I, I don't think I've seen one where St. John pops up himself. Now, do you so. reckon this is... Is this trap? Uh, I think this fits nicely into the increasingly popular, inoffensive cafe Sunday brunch electronica. <laughs> Tom, you know the sort of song you mm. you hung over. You you can't be fucked cooking. Yes. You pop out to get like a coffee and you know some scrambled yeah. eggs or whatever. And then the cafe is playing this sort of like background inoffensive like kind of like. According to yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, according to Wikipedia, that's called slap house, slap, house. which is a, a supposedly a subgenre of deep house okay. starting in the late 2010s. 
The genre usually plays around 120 BPM, aka not quickly enough. No, fuck uh, no. Slap House is closely related to Brazilian bass, but, okay, there you but go. has less bombastic sound design, more melodic elements, and contains radio-friendly moments. Less Com- bombastic, I can agree with. <laughs> um, Compared to club-oriented Brazilian bass, yeah, this would be too slow for a club. But, yep. Yeah, the name arose to the bouncy bass lines being reminiscent of disco's slap bass. Okay. Songs have stronger beats and more elaborate memories in their Brazilian version. Also, the songs are lacking in claps at the beginning, the clap also being a huge part of disco. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Are you Great. a slap house fan? Not How really. Do you feel no. that it stacks up against future <laughs> bass and UK funky. Oh, uh, I mean, UK what about funky. Ho Wop? Uh, Ho Wop or slap house, do you reckon? That's a tough one because, I mean, Ho-Wop was um, short-lived and garbage, so mm. I'm probably... Well, UK funky, though. It's sort of always <laughs> as a soft spot in my heart. But um, I like this doesn't... UK funky because you know where you are. You're in the UK and it's just funky. funky yeah. It's quite funky. Look, I think if I had to put this, this sort of Kazakhstani-produced dance music up against just the classic Euro beats of sort of the mm. early... Belgian pioneers such mm. as Two Unlimited, I would say that this falls well short <laughs> of that, Tom. So, yes. Two Unlimited didn't need a Snapchat filter to get their track to number no, one. They just used their true. own abilities. Now, what does that even mean? Do you know what sort of? I don't. <laughs> do you, I don't have a Snapchat account. I don't venture onto Snapchat. I but honestly don't. What? Know. Yeah, that's when it sort Is, of features on a Snapchat filter. Does that mean kids? They, they've filmed. They've done something on their telephone. They've, yeah. they've sent it to their friends on the Snapchat and then as you can like on Instagram I so guess like you can choose a, you can choose a yeah. filter of different you know I want it to be brighter black and white whatever the fuck you do on Instagram mm. uh, is it like that but it also comes with a tune so I'm, I'm sending you a hey Tom I'm snapping you something and you're looking at it and it comes up and it's like oh great it's the fucking it's it's St. John Roses on there I guess that's it but I mean even then like four and a half billion like people must have been like using it quite a lot people were locked inside (laughs) Tom for a long 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 time that's true I keep forgetting the due to the giant smoking crater where my memories of 2020 are but yeah I keep forgetting that the locked inside element so yeah, look, I don't really know what St. John's up to. I don't really know what um, Emma Beck's up to these days. But look, no. I, I hope that they've made enough funds off this track that they're just just relaxing yeah. and waiting to sort of well, you know, the next was, thing to pop up. This was St. John's debut single from his debut album. Mm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, number one in Australia and across Europe, number four in the US. So he's off to a you know he's off to a good start, but yeah, very good start. Yeah. Whether he'll you know make the best of it, I in my opinion the production by uh, your Kazakhstani mate Fallen is better than the vocal. I oh reckon, yeah, yeah. Which is a pretty basic one man mumble rap. I mean, it's a cut above Post Malone, but so is Oral Gonorrhea. Yeah, can, can you make a whole song from nothing but inspired production? You know, ask Max Martin, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. The Definitely. answer seems to be yes if you don't mind it being a bit average or almost, depending on your taste, I guess. And the video, a bit like the song, is heavy on quality production talent, but light on actual meaning or context. Oh yeah, definitely. It seems to be about a group of people stalking a priest through some sort of Catholic compound, which they're in the process of trashing. Which is a sort of fertile premise, but not really followed through on. 
It does look cool, though. It's sort of nice black and white. It does look cool. And it makes the musicians look rad as hell, which, let's be honest, is still the point of most music videos since 1981. (laughs) Correct. Correct, correct. Um, Does this have any lyrical highlights? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) sure. Uh, Written by St. John and producer Fallen, who did the album and has worked with Doja Cat, Usher, Kanye, and a whole lot of people you've never heard of with stupid fucking names like Skis, Little Anarchy, and Triz with three Zs. But yeah, uh, according to an interview with St. John, the symbolism of roses is that they are delicate and beautiful. Oh, yeah. Roses are closely associated with gifting to women. I buy roses for myself. I don't need you to love me. If you don't love me, I'll be okay. But if I don't love me, I won't make it out of this life. Fair enough. Hmm. Interestingly, this is perhaps the first time I've ever heard a rapper allude to the idea that their bravado and materialistic self-adulation is actually a coping mechanism aimed at raising their self-esteem in order to deal with reality. It's a, it's a whole new concept. Yes, that, that little interview, he comes across as much more charismatic than he does in the actual song, which yep. doesn't really translate to the lyrics, e.g. I walked in the corner with the body screaming dolo, never sold a bag, but looked like Pablo in a photo... This going to make him feel the way like Tony killed Manolo. You already know, though. You already know, though. I walk in the corner with the money on my finger. She might get it popping. I might wife her for the winter. Mm. So just the usual first six lines. you got drug deals, bravado, goddamn motherfucking Scarface references, jewellery, women as possessions, etc. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a shame because, like, if he could add a subtext to all that bravado bullshit, as he does in that one little interview snippet, yep. that shows it's more about sort of self-assurance in a hostile world and less about shooting people in drug deals like some dodgy Oscar Stone movie about a fictional coke dealer with a shithouse wandering accent. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see that he's ticked uh, every hip-hop cliche in six lines of one I track. So First song, same as, like, Post Malone, straight out the gate, every cliche, tick yep. him off. Like Absolutely. Boxes. Got anything else to say about that? No, one? let's move on. Um, so, that was, yeah. So, fun. that was so a couple of weeks of that. Then it was back to Blinding Lights for a couple of weeks, yep. I think. A bit of that. Then back to St. John Rose for a few weeks. And then, um, speaking of uh, hip hop cliches, <laughs> we're up now, 25th of May, Da Baby featuring Roddy Rich, <laughs> Rockstar Tom. Rockstar, Here yes. we go for six weeks. Da Baby and Roddy Rich. Teaming up for a much-needed <laughs> zombie-themed music video, Tom, which ties in nicely with the theme of the song, drawing a parallel between their hip-hop gangster lifestyle mm. and those of rock stars, which hasn't been done since, what, we were Post Malone about two years ago? Uh, I just want to say this, Tom. Yep. Anyone listening to the podcast, um, if you're in hip-hop mm. and you want to do a song about comparing hip-hop to being a rock star... Yeah. It's been done yes. by Post Malone, yes. so you don't want to be following that guy's no. footsteps. Or, and I mean, if yeah, and also if it's been done by Post Malone, that means a hundred other people already exactly. did it anyway. Uh, yeah. Second point, um, if anyone listening to this podcast works in television, film, music videos, mm-hmm. YouTube, uh, TikTok, Instagram videos, Snapchat filters, whatever the fucking case may be, if someone floats the idea of a zombie-themed anything yeah can you just say to them fuck no i think you know wouldn't it be fun if we just shot some zombies in the music video look i think we'd reach peak zombie about a decade ago and people are still doing it and we do not need any more zombie content 
in any way, shape, or form. And mm. I'm going to carve out um, the video game you mentioned earlier, Tom, <laughs> um, because the that's The Last of Us, because that TV show was pretty good, but they're not really. They didn't really focus on the, the zombies, oh, well, and they're not really zombies. No, like I'm sure plenty of people, plenty of people wouldn't watch that show because they're just completely fucking zombied out. The same way people were completely vampired out. Exactly. You know, but the, but that ago. show itself is actually. I didn't. I didn't. I actually forgot that it was a zombie show for most of it because sure. it was sort of more of a <laughs> a road film of you know people hanging hey, out and doing whatever. Hey, look, but I'm, zombies themselves, for fuck's sake, yeah. you need to bring something new to the table. Like my idea. Um, um, for my film, Tom, that I'm writing of a zombie Olympics, mm. which I don't think has been touched on. <laughs> sure. Imagine this. Be the only one Imagine this. It's it's an Olympics, and the zombies have to like throw the javelin, mm-hmm. do a high jump. We've got them to do that, and everyone's going on to be entertained. And then they break free of their shackles, and it's like ah ah, we're in a zombie mm. ah like thing like that. Um, that's probably the worst idea you've ever heard, <laughs> but at least it has a concept of, I've, I haven't yes. seen that before. Because anytime someone says zombies, it's like, oh shit, it's the end of the world, there's some zombies, it's yeah. like, for fuck's sake, you'd exactly. better have some interesting characters, which they never ever do. No. You'd better have some sort of crazy, unusual death scenes or something, which they <laughs> never do. And a premise that somehow makes mm. you think, oh, wait a minute, maybe this could go somewhere yes. that I don't predict rather than just like, oh, no, we're running away from zombies. I so knew... sorry, Roddy Rick and fucking <laughs> Da Baby, but you dropped the ball on that one. Yeah, I knew zombies were officially played out when uh, there was a new show announced called iZombie. Because <laughs> okay. any time anybody adds the lowercase i to the start of something since about... 2001 <laughs> that just means that some complete fuckwit has no ideas left and is just you know desperately still trying to attach themselves to the concept of an iPod what if it was zombies but um like on the internet or uh, you know <laughs> oh and there was a there was a zombie teen romance one where the chick was in love with a zombie as well I mean like Fantastic. at that point you just yeah no I that video is directed by a pack of uh authentic ungulates called real goats Oh, good. Uh, yeah, it, as you say, it takes the why didn't they think of that earlier angle of using some post-Walking Dead zombie shenanigans to let a couple of rappers indulge their firearm cosplay fantasies, including some sketchy action scenes, dodgy CGI headshots, and DeBaby at various points singing into his handgun as though it's a microphone yeah. and then rocking it tenderly, tenderly as if it... And not he was in fact de baby. It's a very strange thing. It looks like he really wants to actually perhaps uh, lie down next to his gun for some intimate times. Yeah, it was absolutely. Recently featured in the show Beef, where uh, <laughs> one of the characters' uh, favourite method of masturbation was to rub a gun against herself. Nice. But I will say one thing for it though: uh, more rock videos should have built-in blooper reels and outtakes. You know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't want to see Fergie falling down a flight of stairs? You know, or Will I Am falling down a flight of stairs, or Post Malone, <laughs> you know, falling down a flight of stairs. <laughs> Absolutely, I think uh, I would enjoy that. I'd, I'd watch some of those Black Eyed Peas mm. videos to see Fergie falling down the flight of stairs and um, probably shitting herself or <laughs> pissing herself, one of those two. Whichever so. one she fancies. Now, Baby Tom uh, recounts, recounts in, in one of the verses in this song, an incident that mm-hmm. took place on November 5, 2018, 
him and his family, wife, two-year-old daughter, they were shopping in Walmart. Yep. And uh, a 19-year-old Jalen Craig approached them with a gun and apparently attempted to rob them in self-defense. The baby fatally shot the Craig in the abdomen and the rapper brings this up in the song. Mm. He sort of talks about this as a warning that he's willing to kill those that will threaten his family. However, he's sorry that he had to shed blood in in front of his little girl. Mm. So that was sort of part of this song and that's sure. based that's a true story that actually happened um, in April 2022 Tom Rolling Stone released the surveillance tapes of the incident sparking debate and re- and renewed scrutiny in the incident after DeBaby also shot a trespasser at his house in North Carolina yes. earlier that month now no one was charged from the incident at his home but people have sort of looked at that surveillance video footage at the Walmart and it's taken from a few angles and you can't really see who the instigator was <laughs> and who was ultimately responsible for the death yeah. of the person and then baby has gone and shot someone else for trespassing. So what I will say, here's a tip to anyone out there listening to the podcast. <laughs> Stay the fuck away from baby as yes. the dude is trigger happy and look, if you see him, just don't yes. engage because there's a very real chance that if you rub him the wrong way, talk shit on rocks. If you say mm. to him, I hate zombie-themed videos, <laughs> they're terrible, that's why right. didn't you come up with a new idea? Mm. You may wind up dead. Yep. So that's what I will that's say. That's right. Generally, I prefer to stay away from people who lovingly cradle handguns yes. in a quasi-sexual manner. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, look, that, that as I said, the surveillance uh, footage made it a little bit uncertain as to the responsibility of the death. <laughs> but if baby is listening, I just want to put that out there and say that um, he appears to be innocent on all charges regarding mm. both the Walmart shooting and the shooting on his property. <laughs> I support baby. Just want to let you know that. So if I do see you in real life, just be aware that on the record, I am in support mm. of whatever you need to do to protect the family. So look, yes. um, billion dollar baby entertainment, Tom, are you familiar with this? Christ almighty, no, I'm not. Well, fortunately, baby has branched out and he's not just doing his own raps. He's got a, a he's got a, a, a an entertainment enterprise, a record oh, okay. label. He's following in the in you know in the footsteps of the big names. You know your Puff Daddy, yep. etc. With Bad Boy mm. raps or whatever he had, <laughs> all all the big names. Yep. You know all the people in the hip hop have got their own record labels, etc. etc. So Billion Dollar Baby Entertainment is his label. Um, founded by DaBaby in 2017, based in Charlotte, North Carolina, the home of hip-hop, mm-hmm. dare I say. And he currently has five artists signed to the label. In 2020, DaBaby had this to say. He's intending to focus on the record label full-time, yeah. saying, I won't be rapping in five years. I won't be rapping. I'll be creating other superstars. So, do baby fans out there, you only have until 2025 <laughs> to hear his raps, at which yes. point he'll be hanging up the mic, so to speak. Mm. He's going to be stepping away from the rap game to focus on the artist signed to his label. All household names, Tom. Stunner for Vegas, DJ KID, Rick Dunk, 
um, KO, Kilo, and Wisdom. So mm. some of my favourite household names. Household names. He's focusing on those guys. For God's sake, if you're one of those people, invest in a Kevlar jacket. I would invest say. in a Kevlar jacket. Definitely lead carbon. If you're on, if you're on DeBaby's label, <laughs> you better be selling mm. fucking platinum albums because be even like Fifty Cent just yep. wearing a bulletproof vest, pretty much yep. twenty four seven. Oh yeah. If you time. if you release an album and it only goes gold, DeBaby's probably <laughs> gunning for you. So make sure you know what's up. Yeah, uh, during the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, mm. when a bunch of black people made a big old fuss about nothing, as reported by the Murdoch Press, <laughs> DeBaby recorded a BLM remix of this song. Oh, uh, did he? Including an extra verse about his own experiences with police violence. After that, DeBaby and Rich performed the song live at the 2020 BET Awards this year. The performance opened in a close-up shot of DeBaby on the ground with the knee of a police officer sitting on his neck, a la the George Floyd murder. Ooh. He then appeared surrounded by protesters channeling the nationwide protests and performing in front of burning police cars. Now, my question to you, Ben, is, is there a point at which highlighting an issue turns into using it for free publicity? You know, say if you were killed by a policeman in a jacuzzi tasering accident, yep. would you want Joel Turner of the Modern Day Poets performing live <laughs> from a spa bath at your funeral in front of pictures of him photoshopped onto the crime scene photos, do you think? I would, but <laughs> I'm not saying that it that makes entertaining. What, I, I would sure. I would enjoy that. In fact, I've written that into my will specifically word mm. for word, Tom, so that that will happen. Um, Joel Turner, uh, I hope he's available for the event because I know right. he's very busy. As long as he can do him, some beatboxing. Him, him and the modern day poets are booked out across the year, so I hope they can fit that in. But that's not to say that the baby should do the same thing for Black Lives Matter because my death, it's just me. Mm. And I, I'm in charge of, you know, That's me true. saying I want yes. Joel Turner to perform no. at my funeral in a jacuzzi. But, you know, this is Black Lives Matter. It's an entire movement. So whether yeah. he should be using that entire movement for his own publicity that's another story but the baby's going to do what the baby's going to do <laughs> that's so, the tr- that's the truth like that's, calling yourself the baby for yeah. instance which just instantly makes you think of a grown man wearing an adult diaper if you mean um but, and yeah. i and i think he's beyond criticism <laughs> Mostly due to his yes. penchant for just pulling out a weapon at any fucking stage. Yeah. So I don't want to criticise him. So This I think is a weird. pop trap, which is not my favourite genre, but it's still better than mumble rap, yep. I'd say. I think this has, this has a guitar in it, I think. Yes, it does. Which is why. a little bit of piano yep. as well. Uh, it's better than Post Malone, although interesting that they share the same concept of what being a rock star is, you know, mm. e.g. someone who waves a gun around amateurishly and owns shares in a blood diamond mine, <laughs> as, opposed yes. someone, as opposed to someone who, say, plays rock music, is a star, or consumes rock star energy drink while coding for rock star games during the <laughs> shooting of the Mark Wahlberg vehicle rock star, I guess. But yeah, I'm not sure where the rock star comes in. I suppose it conclusively proves that the phrase rock star no longer has anything to do with rock and roll music. If it No, did. no, but, yeah. no, exactly. You can be an accounting rock star, according to the boring cunts <laughs> that surround me in my office all the time. <laughs> uh, if you get a good enough return <laughs> on someone's taxes, accounting rock star. Lyrics, do you have anything else oh, to I'll say just wanted about to say, DaBaby's? So movies? during DaBaby's 2020 up-close and personal tour, Tom, <laughs> I don't know how much he was touring in 2020, sure. but he obviously was. He was getting up-close and personal, mm. which I think is sort of in direct violation That's of COVID-19. way too close to firearm <laughs> ranges, <laughs> 
Yeah, well, exactly right. Exactly. So, yeah, I think it's problematic to get up close and personal to baby at any point in time. But look, he slapped a female fan on his way to the stage for a performance in Tampa, Florida. They love that shit down there, though, so don't worry about it. The crowd actually responded by booing, which is off-brand for Florida. Mm. Uh, And he left the venue without performing any songs. He said that he struck her because she placed her phone too close to his face while taking a video of him, and he had the flash on. She had the flash on. Oh, okay. Um, And in a music video posted on Instagram, DaBaby had this to say, I do apologise that there was a female on the other end. I think by the time you know it's a well-known fact that male or female, I would have responded in exactly the same way. <laughs> well, that's reassuring. And that's what I like about DeBaby. He's a big <laughs> advocate for equality between the sexes, mm. Tom. He's not going to mm. sort of differentiate. If there is a guy, you know, there with a yep. phone too close in the face, he will punch you in the face. Yes. If there's a girl there with a phone that's too close right. to the face, he will knock her fucking teeth out. Mm. And that's what I love about him. He does not discriminate whatsoever. He's always been about that equality of the sexes. And look, I think that's always been the main thrust of his music, from Mm. what I can understand. More representation of women in music, in business, in politics, and also he will punch the fuck out of you if you hold a phone too close to his face. So you've got to respect that. You've got to respect Mm. that. There are boundaries with DaBaby. And all I can say is that she is lucky that she only got slapped in the face That's because true. most people go home in a fucking body bag when That's they're near the right. baby. So look, absolutely. And look, Tom, I think what you got to learn with DaBaby is that at these live performances, he is a live wire. He's up there. He's performing. He's putting his all into it. Mm-hmm. You get too close to him with the phone, he'll punch you out. But also, he has his own really strong supporter base. It sort of feels like a community for him, Tom, when he's performing to baby. He's up there while he was performing at Rolling Loud Festival in Miami Gardens, Florida. Once again, they do whatever they like down there. Uh, he said, quote, If you didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, or any of them deadly sexually transmitted diseases that'll make you die in two or three weeks, then put a cell phone light in the air, ladies. If your pussy smells sick like water, put a cell phone light up in the air. Fellas, if you ain't sucking dick in a parking lot... Put your cell phone light up in the air. Mm. Now, it's a select club. People I mean, I said imagine, that these comments made. Imagine have been in on. Florida there were about three phone lights. <laughs> <up there. laughs> exactly. So people said that these comments regarding sucking dick if you're a guy, HIV, AIDS, mm. may have been homophobic. Yes. May have had that. So, and, and that's one way of looking at it. But as I said, I don't. I disagree with DeBaby. I agree with him on all topics because he is quite trigger happy. You don't want to get on his wrong I side. I how DeBaby feels about the vaccine. Ben. Yeah, I'm not Just sure, Tom. scratching my head on that one. <laughs> what he did, to say, he did have this to say, though. What me and my fans do at the live show, it don't concern you on the internet. Mm, well, um, particularly not if you don't perform because yeah. you're a pussy little bitch who can't handle it when people boo you for attacking a woman for yeah. trying to take your photo, but sure. So what he does at his concerts is just him... His supporters, it's their thing. It doesn't, you know, no. our, us outsiders, Tom, we don't have the right to comment because we don't <laughs> understand the world that he lives in. Mm. He also went to claim that gay fans of his do not have AIDS because they're not nasty ass gay <laughs> N word or junkies. Sure. So, 
And look, <laughs> who's to argue with that? I don't really know. True. So I'm he's got so gay fans, but they don't have AIDS. Gay. So fair enough. The baby's lucky that we live in a time before anybody's invented some sort of portable recording device mm. that you know could perhaps take down what you said or did in a public place. But yeah, so one day that'll happen, and then the baby might true. be in trouble. So he does have some controversial things to say, but you mm. know, freedom of speech, Tom. Let him go because sure. I don't want to get shot down now. Now, Tom, if you're wondering where, you know, this sort of homophobia and weird treatment of women and <laughs> love to shoot people down and all those sorts of things, and you're probably right, anti-vaxxer as well. Um, if you're wondering where all of those things come from... Florida. Uh, Florida, A, and also his religious beliefs, Tom, where he does yeah, say, quote, I'm blessed, I'm covered by the blood of Christ. Mm, so I think he's sort of someone innocent bystander. He may actually <laughs> that's true. Should just anyone just near him covered in that blood. But um I think he is the new Jesus. Mm. I think that's sort of something that he's sort of playing Another with new as well. Jesus. So this is what I like about him. I like him more and more. Um and that's what I find that when you do have a strong religious belief, you can almost do whatever you want. And then mm. if it's Apparently. good you can um hey, Mel Gibson's still working oh yeah absolutely absolutely so you know it's God's plan Tom God has crazy mm-hmm. plans um and sometimes that involves shooting people mm. and slapping women uh and saying that homosexuals should all die of AIDS that is just all part of God's plan Tom that's so, true channeled through <laughs> imperfect vessel of da baby but you know power to him <laughs> Right. What are the lyrical highlights here? Um, yes, well, this was uh, written by the rappers and produced by a guy called Seth in the Kitchen, uh-huh. who also plays the piano. I think he does, and he does in the video. Did he work on Martika's Kitchen, per chance? Maybe, I hope so. maybe. Um, I can't really quote this song because there's at least one N-word in every single line, but it's largely just a sort of Second Amendment advocacy joint yep. wherein DeBaby talks about how his mum is fine with him murdering people with a gun, how his daughter's a G because he had to murder people with a gun in front of her while she was a baby, but she's chill about it, yep. how he just bought a brand new gun to murder people with, how women are sexually attracted to him due to his proficiency at murdering people with a gun, and how he's a metaphor, metaphorical rock star in that, you know, much the same way that a traditional musician, Kenny Loggins, say, or Rolf Harris, would use a musical instrument to entertain people the baby used it a gun to murder them yep. with. But yeah, oddly enough, uh, before Rockstar, the baby had a hit with Popstar, oh. wherein he expressed the idea that now he's on the charts, people will probably be calling him a pop star, which oh. he says is ironic because popping is also a colloquialism sometimes used to refer to the process of murdering people with a gun bin, an activity that DeBaby is still enthusiastically involved in on a daily basis, regardless of the potential recategorization of his musical output. You know, At least he's consistent in terms so of his You can call him a pop star, but don't call him someone who isn't going to murder you. No, I would never say that, mm. definitely. Um, I think that it is best to just stay on good terms with the baby and not yes. to sort of criticise him in any way, shape, Put or about thing. a kilometre between you yep. and the baby at all times, I would say. It's also a brazen move to pull a gun on the baby um, in a Walmart because mm. let's imagine that the baby didn't have a gun and someone pulled a gun on him and sort of, you know, took his phone or robbed him or something. Mm-hmm. Because you're in the Walmart, the baby can just pop over to aisle three, <laughs> purchase a semi-automatic mm. rifle and some ammunition, 
and you know you'll be gunned down in about three seconds that's and that's true. the brilliance of America that, that is you true. know it's sort of it's it's like the cold war of sort of um, mm. but in terms of just supermarket <laughs> shopping you don't want to pull a gun on someone because they can just go and buy a gun and then pull it back on you. So nobody That's pulls true. a gun on anyone. It's just sort it of like It is handy a, if you're in the middle of a gunfight, say in the soft furnishings aisle at Target, absolutely. and you run out of ammo mid-gunfight, you can just, you just go and pop over some. to the, the ammo counter and get some more. Well, know? that's I think that's sort of what I've always assume when I watch action films and it's like you know the Bruce Willis <laughs> character always has unlimited ammo that's true and what's happened is you just know that he's able to go and buy some from any sort of yes. counter in a shop but and the director has taken the sort of yeah. saying no one wants to it's see it's so commonplace we can assume yeah. that that's taken uh, of place course, off screen yeah. like the mate you never see him go to the toilet either no or eat a sandwich no. we, ju- we just know that he's done that at some point during the day the same way an American will stock yeah. up on 12 gauge shotgun rounds while getting a Coffee exactly. In the morning, right. on and a you know, basis. your Ivan Reitman doesn't need to sort of put that into the script no, because it's no, sort of, it would be it, redundant. Like, that would be boring to sort yes. of like Bruce Willis has run out of ammo. He's gone over to R three. He's purchased some. He's you know <laughs> this is you know in the eighties, so he's had to pay with cash get the change. That's like two or three minutes you don't need. So it's just assumed that that's what's happened, and then it's just mm. like why has he always got ammo? It's like because it's America. You can buy it from that's literally right. fucking anywhere, as the baby is shown by just gunning people down all over the place. So, well, but he's in his right to do that. He's in his right. He's not, in, he's not behind bars. No, he certainly isn't. Uh, he's in Florida, land of the free. Exactly. Um, well, speaking of murdering people, what have we got next? 6th of July. All right, Tom. So, yes, up next, it is Jason Derulo... Our friend yep. and Josh six eight five featuring. It's meant to be Josh. 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 Yeah, it's spelt J A W S H, but I reckon that's meant to Josh. be Josh. Six Josh eight six eight five. Jason Derulo. Savage love bracket laxed siren beat end bracket. Yes. Tom. Now this must have made you pretty happy, Ben. I mean, firstly, we've established that you're a big Derulo oh, fan. Oh, huge! Yeah, and he hasn't been on the charts for a while. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I know you were suffering since Paulie from the Otaru Millionaires Club singer of How Bizarre <laughs> passed away recently. Yeah, absolutely. You must be happy to see another homegrown New Zealand hip hop artist in the number one slot. You know? Very, very happy, Tom. But I do have, you know, I do have some slight issues with this track itself. Sure. Happy with, with what you had to say. But look, Tom, if you touch someone on the boobs without their consent, mm-hmm. that's uh, sexual assault, correct? Sure. And look, you know, unless you're a celebrity and you can probably get away with that sort of thing, you, you have a problem with that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. unwanted attention. Sure. You have a problem with that. You don't have the permission to touch the boobs, then, you know, you're going to get into trouble, mm-hmm. you know, possibly go to court, etc., etc. What happens if a New Zealand teenager creates a beat, in this instance, say, the lax siren beat, mm-hmm. and it takes off on TikTok, and then Jason Derulo takes that beat and creates a song out of it, let's say, for example, called Savage Love, mm-hmm. um, that was unwanted, without permission, from the beat, beat creator Josh685. Mm-hmm. You know, Permission hasn't been granted to do that. Is that oral assault or some sort of... Illegal yes. type situation. What's going yeah. on with that? I hear what you're saying. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah. Like, saddle up, listener, because this is how songwriting works now. 
you know, next time you're thinking of uh, Little Track... Oh, hang on. Yeah, I'll just go back to that. Mm. Yeah, so the Josh 685 story is that Kiwi producer and high school child... Was he a high schooler at the time? Yeah, Josh 685 created the instrumental as a tribute to his Samoan and Cook Island heritage... Uh, 685 is the country code for Samoa. Ah. It's called. It's an example of what's called a siren jam, which is a New Zealand Pacifica trend of creating beats to play through siren speakers, like cheap sort of PA speakers, yep. usually attached to cars or bikes. So you go around and you blast like a like a mobile disco kind of thing. Yep. It also became a viral trend on TikTok with users inspired to post culture dance videos in which they celebrate their heritage by dancing to this this original song while wearing traditional costumes. So what we've got here is basically a world music TikTok hit that Derulo got thirsty for and ended up having to share the credit for. On the other hand, he got his first top 10 hint since 2015, so, you know, swings and roundabouts. Unlike Old Town Road, at least the person who actually wrote the song, uh, part of the song, got their name in the title, and he insisted that the song be subtitled Laxed Siren Beast, uh, to remind him of that time he was at a rave and got sold laxatives instead of ecstasy, <laughs> I believe. So, yeah, this he is, was how, laxed, this was is he? how songwriting works now. Next time you're thinking of a title track for the next Art of Seduction album, yep. forget about instruments. Mm. Just open up the odd YouTube app, type children music written in bedroom after school, yep. uh, get in contact with the first kid with a decent melody, wait till their parents aren't home, and then start reaching out and offering them money in exchange for services. You know, <laughs> Just make sure they know you only want to buy the song and not the homemade video of them twerking in their underpants <laughs> or it could get all weird. could get weird, you yeah. Know? Definitely. yeah. After that, it's basically job done. All you need is a vocal. You know, So you go to the dentist, then straight after you've spat into the sink, grab your phone and record a mushmouth soliloquy about how sparkly you're watching and why you need a gun big enough to put your dick down the barrel, you know? Yeah. After that's pretty much job done, you know? Yeah, look, it is a weird one for me um, because from what I understand, Derulo just did this without any permission at all whatsoever. Yes. Just went, I'm just going to take that beat, do a song for it, and then afterwards I think reached out, but it had already been released uh, yes. or I think it was sorry originally released as just Savage Love without the lax siren beat bracket part at the end and then yes. I think for, later on it was like well you got to give this dude songwriting credits yeah. he wrote the instrumental you got to do that he has right. to be added as like a co songwriter yes. at least, and put this thing at least on, on with Little Nas X he like he paid the oh, yeah, teenager he, 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 50 bucks for the beat or whatever. It, so yeah. so and the guy doesn't get credit on the title of the track, but he legitimately exchanged money for it. Definitely. This is just, oh, I just heard that thing on TikTok. Now I'm stealing it. Oh, exactly. You know? Look, but, now, yeah, I mean, it did work out in the end, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, Josh685 uh, has done sweet fuck all since. So maybe Deloro has mm. done him a favor by throwing some cash his way. But look, I don't know. Perhaps Josh685 uh, is working on the follow-up to Welcome to the Madhouse with Tones and I. Sure. We just don't know. It's you know, it's the guy from Kazakhstan, Josh685, Tones and I, down in Frankston, Tom, as we speak, working on that Welcome to the Madhouse follow-up. Can't wait for that. But look, um, it was reported that Josh865 uh, was in talks with multiple artists, including uh, Derulo, apparently, to remix mm-hmm. Laxed Siren Beat. But Derulo, quote, went rogue and released Savage Love without probably attaining permission. So mm-hmm. a, a source close to the situation said that Derulo wanted the song for himself and only to have Josh 685 yeah. as a producer. 
but Josh685 wanted more control over the work and did not want to be, quote, bullied by a larger artist into well, putting to, the I mean, song out. To be fair to Derulo, to give him a tiny bit of credit, in this yeah. one instance, it's possible that maybe he saw this thing blowing up on TikTok and went, someone is going to fucking steal that. Yeah, exactly. So, in the, like, you know, there's that, ex, that's, uh, that saying, it's easier to apologise than... Ask permission, you know. So maybe he's like, yeah, I'll, "I'll get it. I'll get it out with my name on it." Then, if I have to deal with this fucking teenager who wrote this later on, then I'll do it. But yeah. it seemed like the teenager pretty put up a pretty good fight and insisted that his name actually be on the song. Yeah, good on him. So good yeah. on him for that. And so, yeah, to distinguish this version of the song from the other earlier unauthorized remixes and stuff that were going around the internet, a vocalization of Jason Derulo's name is heard before the song begins. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad he's still doing that, you know, but oh, call yeah. me crazy, Ben. Wasn't Derulo telling us that he thought that was played out shit about a decade ago? Yeah, I think so, but he's back doing it now, Tom, so <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. Apparently turned out it wasn't so played out after all. Yep. Yeah. Now, and also, where does this fit in terms of his, you know, PG-positive... Um, you know, yeah. versus the, the, the faux crass <laughs> club thumper. Well, this one's definitely PG because you stole it off a child. Yeah, so. it's definitely... <laughs> yeah, that's it's not a not a faux crass club thumper. I hope it's PG. I think it's PG positive, I think, Tom. Yeah. So, absolutely. Look, um, yeah, I don't know, though. What... Uh, the, the problem as well I have with this song is that um, when I did my TikTok dance, Tom, I had one of those little <laughs> triangle hats. Yeah. And sort of was dressed in like a Chinese outfit um, with a jar of Canton mm, in my hand. True. And people said, you know, that's not on. You can't do yes. that. So they said, hey, that's cultural appropriation. That's cultural appropriation. That hasn't been okay since 2005. Exactly bit. right. Exactly. So, I mean, I wonder how many people took the Lax Savage beat um, and sort of did that sort of, you know, <laughs> uh, a, a cultural song that, you know... Yeah. Siren beat, sorry, lax siren beat. Savage love that. You know, he was asking for it. Josh six eight five was asking for that, but I just want to know how many then got complaints against them saying yeah. like, oh, I don't know, mate, you shouldn't be doing that. You're a white man from Melbourne. <laughs> you don't really have the authority to be sort of doing those sort of dances. But I think from from all reports, Josh seemed to be pretty happy that people from all over the world yeah. were doing it. Well, he his... was probably fine with it when it was just other people like him doing it. Yep. But then you see some guy who's had number one hit records with his name attached to it, and then you'd be like, okay, well, if you're gonna just if you're gonna do it, you know, this doesn't this is not part of your culture at all. Then you know, I'm gonna need some scratch for this one yeah exactly exactly right I mean the video similarly is basically a sort of high end zoom call between (laughs) the land of dreams and make believe aka Los Angeles and the land of the long white sheep aka New Zealand yeah I mean, couldn't the Kiwis have maybe waited for a fucking sunny day to film their half of the video? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I doubt that this video is going to cause a Lord of the Rings-style tourist influx to the, you know, grey skied inner suburbs of Christchurch. You know. No, I wouldn't I, have I, thought I swear, so. there's one point at which they're having a dance party inside a fish and sheep shop. Yeah, I'm no, telling no, you no. that's happening. 
I bet The Weeknd is glad that he filmed that blinding lights thing towards the very tail end of 2019, <laughs> sort of early 2020, because for the rest of the year, every single music video was just, yeah, you're right, sort mm. of, uh, uh, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we did a music video over Zoom? And it's like, well, yeah. not really. And he sort of has that the production values of that. I'm, so. not, I'm not trying to shit on New Zealand at all. In fact, I would no. say the New Zealand half of the Zoom call is by far the lesser, less cliche Oh, part. yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm just saying that one of these locations looks slightly more glamorous on camera than the others. Yeah. Although, on the other hand, nobody in the New Zealand half is wearing two grand pre-ripped white jeans in 2020 no, either. That's so, true. you know, maybe they come out on top. The guy in front of the Bain Marie's doing better than, you know, some guy in a mesh vest on the edge of a cliff in yep. Miami. Now, Tom, um, Josh685, as you mentioned, does have Cook Island Heritage. He would probably want to register the website domain www.josh685.cock, I imagine. Mm. So, because mm. the Cook Island <laughs> website domains don't get a lot of play. Um, and as I learned from, uh, you know, the, the quality TV show, Nathan Barley, you want... Um, that you want to register your domain name <laughs> in the Cook Islands just so you can get the dot cock. So. Is that true? Yeah, it's dot dot co dot ck. So um, yeah, that's that's the whole joke of that TV series. If you've not seen it, his website is trashbat dot cock, and and he just says that for the whole series. You're like, what? And then he, at the end of the show, like he I think explains. episode five, he's like, yeah, it's registered in the Cook Islands, and then you can check it out, and it, that's what it is. If you type in dot cock, it just defaults to .co.ck I believe so mm. Cook Island so that's what he should be doing whether he is doing that I'm not yes. sure if he is so, yeah. he might just have a boring .co.nz website Nathan Barley sure. was really underappreciated at the time wasn't mm. he I mean, it's difficult to watch because everyone in it is extremely punchable, but yeah. Exactly. I think sort of... Um, they, yeah, really, they really invented the Vice magazine cunt before Gavin yeah. McKinns even realised that they were a thing. The thing yeah. is, though, because, because Black Mirror also, is so popular Nathan. now, like it's like Black Mirror is like, you know, Netflix, pretty popular. Yeah. I'm surprised that people haven't went, oh, what else has Charlie Brooker written? Oh, was and then gone Charlie back Brooker? And, yeah, 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 yeah. And then gone back and went Nathan Barley. And obviously, you know, it has people in it from the Mighty Bush. Yeah, so, you recognise all the yeah, actors Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm sort of surprised it hasn't had a bit of a second life mm. because it's still, you know, I haven't watched it for a couple of years, but it's still quite funny. Oh, now. yeah. But, and um, then you've got show like, you know, um, what's it called? <sighs> what's the Fred Amerson one? Portland. What's that called? What's the Portland show? The one about Portland? Fuck, Portlandia. Portlandia, yes. Yeah. God damn it. How did I forget that? Yeah, like, you know, clearly people will watch a whole show of hipster jokes, so why not <laughs> exactly. go back to the original? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> um, what else you got to say about this one? Uh, not much. Uh, lyrics. Yep. Uh, employing uh, Tom's independent three-way artistic nominative classification algorithm yep. a system, or tip wank, uh, this is a pretty straightforward category A, or I want to bone you song. Yeah. Uh, the slight wrinkle here is that Derulo is not in the driver's seat for once. Baby, I hope this ain't karma because I get around. You want to run it up, I want to lock it down. Mm. Usually don't be falling, falling fast. You got a way of making me spend up all my cash, which doesn't rhyme with fast, but <laughs> never mind. Every night and every day, I try to make you stay, but your savage love did somebody, somebody break your heart. Looking like an angel, but your savage love. When you kiss me, I know you don't give two fucks, but I still want that. 
So it sounds like Derulo is joining Dean Lewis, uh, aka Be All Right, on our list of high profile cucking enthusiasts, Ben. <laughs> Are you predicting that cucking will be the big chart kink of the early 2020s, in much oh, the same way yeah. that lactation fetishes were such a big part of the early 2010s? On the yeah, I think so, yeah. I think that lactation um, fetish went on a bit further, as you may recall from Fergie's MILF money. Um, mm, but, you know... That's uh, 100% pure lactation. Correct, finish, yeah. correct. But, um, yeah, maybe. Maybe it will do. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I hope so. He sounds like he's uh, really getting off on her um, kicking him into the gutter and telling him he's been very, very naughty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Derulo anyway. loves that sort of shit, <laughs> I think, so... Also, sure. that it has that <laughs> very basic... Um, Oh, there was another song that had that pretty much exactly the same line in it. Was like, oh, this is Drake, where it was like talking about um, going out with Rihanna, saying like, oh, she's treating me the same way I treated other people when it turned out it didn't feel very good. <laughs> like, oh yeah, really? <laughs> fucking genius, sure. Yeah. But I mean, you think, well, at least that at some point that occurred to you. That, you know. Do you think he learned anything from it? Probably not. Sure. But, um, well, not to haggle with New Zealand fucking teenagers because they will fuck you up. Yeah, absolutely this right. One. Yeah, whether Drake learned anything from tangling with Rihanna, I don't know. I doubt it, yeah. Probably not. Sure. What do we got next then? Oh, time up next, 3rd of August. Oh, we're, we're more than halfway through the year. It's Taylor Swift. Yeah. Cardigan. Only one week. One week of this Taylor. one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she, she's... Look, Taylor's back. Um, this is one of her one of two pandemic albums. Yeah, right I know. She dropped two pandemic yeah. albums in 2020, so it just show it goes to show that when locked in at home, Taylor's yeah. still work ethic. Just get the fucking yep. content out there. You can't stop her. Um, look, I guess because of the fact she probably was at home and doing a lot of the songwriting collaboration probably over Zoom, this is a bit more stripped back, um, not as poppy yes. as some of her other stuff. Look, dare I say this falls into boring as shit territory. Or, yeah, uh, for yeah, me, no, um, I'm with you. It's funny, like we've talked about this before, but there are some people who prefer the more, um, the, the sort of more acoustic ish. Like uh, sort very of very country sort of yes. early material, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the slightly uh, as opposed to her more recent, um, uh, what was that called? Her more recent album, which is Midnight's, very, Midnight's was very electro sounding, yeah, and some of her other collaborations with that one. This, uh, yeah, so this is a so debut single from her eighth studio album, Folklore. Uh, credited to Swift and longtime producer collaborator Aaron Desner of The National, yep. who is the producer of hers, who is more on the traditional ish side. Yeah, they did a bit of collaboration, I think, on yes. a couple of albums. Oh, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's what I mean. Of the two, of the two producers she's worked with recently, he's the one who's more on the, yep. the acoustic side. Not acoustic, the real instrument side. But just to give you an idea of what, you know co-written actually means with with an artist this big even locked up at home yep. the real credits include vocals recorded by Laura Sisk additional mixing by Jonathan Lowe mastering by Randy Merrill orchestration by Bryce Desner synth by Benjamin Lands trombone by Dave Nelson drum programming by James Millister violin by Yuki Resnick and cello by Clarice Jensen mm. when you take into account that this was recorded during lockdown and that Taylor is someone who by pop standards 
does do actually a lot of the work on her own tracks. Yep. You can infer how many people must feature behind the scenes on, say, a Beyonce album or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. If you multiply that by 12 and then double it and then well, take it the out of lockdown. When there's 10 you know. songwriters, there's still other people that are actually oh, doing, yeah, doing the performing the sorts of actual... Yeah. Like, someone has to play the guitar exactly. or do the keyboards. And, and yeah. no, when I say... There's another... Uh, yeah, there's another example later. But when I say that this is on her more stripped down instrumental I mean real instruments type of stuff I mean by the standards of pop music meaning it's incredibly heavily produced there is no nothing around this sounds like anything you would hear in a bar this is the stripped back Taylor Swift that still has like 10 people performing on each track yeah and and it's just produced like there's just production over everything even her vocals which are quite nice that you know everything's sort of like like the video, which sort of looks through this kind of dreamy haze, the song sounds like it's coming filtered through this sort of haze yep. of electro production. It's just that it does have a few real instruments on it. It's not just definitely. You know, Look, I, I think um, yeah. what what I've learned from this is that her collaboration with a guy from the National over Zoom means that I need to get my Eurodance out <laughs> as soon as possible because Beyonce has started the Eurodance Renaissance. Right. Actually, we learnt that you know some mm-hmm. other people have started the Eurodance Renaissance. Yeah. Right. before Beyonce so if I can get that out there's let's say COVID 2024 2025 COVID mm. something there's another COVID coming let's hope we're locked in our houses for another two years you know it would be nice if I'm just sitting at home twiddling my thumbs yes. get a call from Taylor <laughs> saying yo I hear you're the man to go and work with when it comes to Eurodance Renaissance. We can work That's on right. a few tracks together. Don't even have to leave your house. Uh, yeah, for sure. Do that with Taylor. Yep. And then, you know, it gets to number one because she's on the track. And then, you know, the royalties will come trickling. And so that's that's sort true. of, I think, a bit of the game plan. You better move fast because knowing Taylor, she's probably got at least two full Eurodance albums half oh, completed no doubt. in the pipeline. No doubt. Exactly yeah. right. So, yeah, so as you said, this is a bit more stripped down. Um, the song, as we said, called Cardigan. Um, quote, according to Taylor, the song is about a lost romance and why young love is often fixed so permanently within our mer- memories. So that's yes. a departure from her usual work, isn't it, Tom? Um, talking about lost love. I don't really think we've <laughs> heard that from her before. Yeah. Good to see Taylor using the pandemic to sort of move in new directions and new, <laughs> new lyrical themes. Um, do we need more songs about cardigans? Oh, God almighty. Yeah, or, I know. You know, maybe just more songs from the Cardigans, perhaps, as well. Yeah. Who have been quite, you know, since the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. I don't think I can recall <laughs> any songs from the Cardigans since then. Actually, they haven't been completely quiet since the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, um, from what I can recall. They did play themselves in an episode of Beverly Hills 90210. The Cardigans. Yes, yeah, the yeah. featured entertainment at the college graduation party hosted by Kelly Taylor's dad. Would it have been... Um, that was in 1997, though, that so... Pre, that's pre-Romeo and Juliet, surely. I think Romeo and Juliet came out in 1996. Oh, okay, so, wow. Okay, yeah. no, they, maybe they did Love Fool. So I think they did Love Fool, and then they went on to 90210, <laughs> um, and then maybe they haven't done a lot <laughs> since then. 90210 so. kept going longer than I remember it going. Yeah. I remember it existing for about six months in 1994, but yeah, yeah. killing my memories well, out of um, like... Once they got the, pitch, the Peach Pit After Dark <laughs> up and running, it was a whole new series. Oh, time. So, I see. Um, Tiffany Amber Thiessen stepped into the role of uh well not so oh. so um 
Brent, when Brenda left, mm. um, Shannon left. Doherty yes. stepped out. Shannon Doherty leaves a lot Le- of shows, doesn't uh, yeah, she? <laughs> she does. And then they got a bit of uh, T-A-T in there, Tiffany Amethyst. Yeah, I don't and, think uh, I ever saw her in it. I must have been a, yeah. No, no. My main memory of 90210 was that time that... Uh, uh, Dylan took a fictional drug and got laid on the hood of a car. That's possibly <laughs> the best one of all. Uh, Absolutely. Euphoria. He was high on the hits of the Australian EDM Eurodance Act. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> now, Taylor said that the song, you know, the, the, I guess the crux or the sort, of, mm-hmm. the, the sort of beginning point of this was that she thought about um, a cardigan that still bears the scent of loss 20 years later. Now, um, I've smelled those cardigans <laughs> at op shops, Tom, yeah. loss that, isn't that have a sort thing. of 20-year <laughs> scent of loss, and they, they don't usually Death smell... Death is another word. Exactly. Mothballs. <laughs> Not, those cardigans aren't the best, but what you do is you sort of reach into the, the one of those front pockets. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll find a tenner in there that oh, someone's okay. left behind. <laughs> so when you're in the op shop, go through the cardigan section. You yes. can find some cash in there that someone's left behind. But yeah, they do... You're right. The, the smell of 20 years of loss does equal death, does equal yeah. kind of a depression that you don't it's really also, want to deal with. It's also kind of... It's a weird thing to name your song after because it's also kind of a cliche of what people think of Taylor Swift being like in in some yeah. ways, like the the cliche of her being sort of this kind of slightly very white, very middle class kind of slightly wet performer, and a cardigan is such a sort of soft, cuddly. Yeah. You know, it's like calling yourself great big cup of milky tea or something, calling a song that or something. I mean, it's actually, maybe she maybe she did that on purpose, but I'm not quite sure. I mean, she well, said, I think I think Tom, what you'll see is that for me, this song demonstrates that Taylor is a big fan of the Wu Tang Clan. Oh, okay. Because sure. um, you think about this for a second, okay? Mm. Wu Tang Clan Wu Wear. Sure. They wrote entire songs of just promoting sure Wu Wear. Yes. Kids went out, they bought the WooWare. Taylor's obviously looked at that. She's looked at ODB, um, you know, getting those bags from that Mariah Carey <laughs> clip. Yep. She's looked at everyone else that's in the Wu-Tan, RZA, ZZA, all that, sorry, RZA, SZ. Yep. <laughs> I, don't, I still don't know how to pronounce it correctly. I don't want to say the wrong thing. But um, what has happened is that Taylor has seen that, seen that the Wu-Tang clan have written songs about the WooWare, sold that on. She's written this song called Cardigan. What has she done? She's gone on to, you know, she's got a merch store. Of course she does, Tom. That's Taylor mm-hmm. Swift. And she's selling a knit cardigan with uh, silver star patches on the elbows representing this song. Really? Yes, oh, she God. has done. She did do that. <laughs> so this is effectively a woo-wear song. Sure. She's writing You're a song right. about cardigan. Then she's just fucking yep. flipping cardigans out the door. <laughs> so, you know, massive respect to that. Yes, yeah. Um, I mean, speaking of, you know, uh, Synergy, she's uh, the storyline um, for the song. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Hang on. What was I going to say? Uh, yes, the storyline is followed by August and Betty, two other songs. Uh, she explained in a live chat uh, when the album came out, there's a collection of three songs I refer to as the Teenage Love Triangle. These three songs explore a love triangle from all three people's perspectives at different times in their lives. 
And uh, yeah, yet another artist has been inspired by the vision of Axel Rose to create a song <laughs> trilogy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, in the music video, which was written and directed by Taylor and shot during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, Taylor is shifting through different places by climbing into a magical piano. Again, I'm not sure if she was personally programming all the CGI effects or matte painting backdrops in her bedroom until 4am, but at least she was involved in it. Mm. Uh, like a lot of C plus pop videos, there's some pretty imagery, but it doesn't really add up to much in regards to the song's narrative or anything else either. And yeah, we know that because the song is supposedly part of a teenage love triangle. But yeah, I mean, I know you're also a big Use Your Illusion fan, but what yeah. themes are you planning to explore across the audio-visual visual trilogy on your new John Bon Jovi album, do you think? You know? Yeah, well, I think... Um, or are you going to go further and do a quadrilogy? I might go quadrilogy. <laughs> Look, I think... Um, it's the, time someone stepped up and did a quadrilogy. Yeah, the, the first single is Welcome to the Bone Zone. <laughs> Tom, sure. so that'll probably set the scene. Mm. Um, I think, sort of, from a, a, a thematic sort of point of view, um, the trilogy will involve uh, boning. I yep. think so. Welcome to the Bone Zone is, is sort of self-explanatory on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the next song is called uh, "Pumping." Sure. which I think sort of <laughs> follows a very similar theme. I don't want to give too much away, um, but the chorus to that one is. Sitting in my room, listen to Chumba Wumba tub thumping. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're naked and we are pumping. Mm, so see. that's sort of like, I and I think that's sort of a real life sort of scenario where I think a lot of people probably are sitting around listening to sort of Chumba Wumba tub mm. thumping, and that would lead to lead into some sort of sexual intercourse. I think so. I think Welcome to the Bone Zone sets that sort of pumping yeah. thing. And then into that, sorry, boning into pumping. So I think that that's sort of it's going to follow yeah. on into that. Um, and then the third song um, is sort of, I think it's it's a story as old as time where you're out on the street, just walking down the street, you see someone running out of Zamel's the jeweler or some mm-hmm. other high-end jewelry shop and they're getting chased by the cops Yeah, and, and they've run past you and you've sort of, you look, you've got a glimpse of their face, you've seen them, mm-hmm. and then they've escaped, and then all the security footage is all deleted, and the cops yep. come up to you and say, you know, you saw the person that, that committed this crime, yep. we want you to testify against them <laughs> in court. Yep. So, in effect, you know, the cops the cops want you to finger them, don't they? They mm-hmm. sort of like want you to do that. So, I think that's what the song's about, and there's a bit of a double entendre there, because... The, the cops want me to finger them um, in a sort of in a very much a criminal case point the finger and accuse them but they're also um, very attractive and, ah, and yes. I don't want to finger them in yes. a legal sense yes. because you might lose the opportunity to, to, to e- correct in a literal sense exactly oh, in a literal sense exactly so um, so there's that's the, that's the trilogy so it's definitely <laughs> it's it's a very sensual yes. trilogy I think Tom so that's sort of what I'll be working with I there so that, like as Taylor sometimes does yeah. that you'll you know sneak for the hardcore fans you'll sneak in a few references across the trilogy perhaps you know at one point during one of the videos 
uh, there's a there's a, a storm which could be a reference to uh, Bonus Storm, one of your <laughs> earlier musical <laughs> acts. And during that storm, perhaps in the background, somebody might be so driven to madness by the southern Bonus Storm, if you will, yep. that they dive through perhaps a giant bonus shaped cake that happens to be precariously balanced. I think so, on the edge yeah. of a table in the background. Well, well, much like Taylor Swift, I'll be leaving a lot of Easter eggs mm. in the material, Tom, mm. for the for the fans to get in there. I think so. <laughs> certainly. That's what I'm doing and yeah you're right you want to sort of create that sort of trilogy where there's some of the same themes that are throughout yes. and I think at the end of that people can sort of see that not they're not going to see that as just three individual mm. video clips or film clips they're going to look at that as three they're going to see that as a body of work yes that's sort of you know the whole is greater than the sum of the parts uh, and that's what Taylor's done <laughs> with this that is obviously what Guns N' Roses have done. That's mm-hmm. what I will be doing, Tom. The you know, Blade once. Trilogy. The, break, the Blade Trilogy. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. So that's that's the aim with that. The so. Matrix, you know, each one better than the last. Each one better yeah. than the last, for sure. They all added up to something really, really special. So, yeah. uh, absolutely. Uh, lyrics? Yeah, well, tell me. Uh, yeah, this is pretty simple narratively. Uh, she seems to be talking about a relationship where one partner knew they had real love going on with the other partner, but had to watch uh, the boyfriend, in this case, go after someone new and uh. then come back to them. Uh, and when I felt like I was an old cardigan under someone's bed, you put me on and said I was your favourite. A friend to all is a friend to none. Chase two girls, lose the one. When you are young, they assume you know nothing. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was young, my girlfriends were few and far between, but they certainly understood me a lot better than I understood myself. Uh, They definitely knew I knew nothing, which was accurate. Uh, (laughs) On the other hand, I never wore cardigans, black lipstick, or made romantic allusions to Peter Pan at age 31, so maybe I was ahead of Taylor in a couple of areas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she still can't help dropping a cheesy... Romantic illusion in the middle of a song. <laughs> Last <laughs> yeah. love will get her through. I mean, so. who the fuck thinks of Peter P- Pan during romantic stuff? It's this weird fucking fairy tale written by Pedo. What the f- dude? Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is not my favourite of Taylor's. I don't mind some of her stuff, but yeah. Oh, no, this sucks. This but um, yeah, absolutely. When she's doing poppy sort of upbeat sort of stuff she's got some good hooks this is sort of just a bit shit so yeah I think um, yeah ironically even though she started off in the realms of sort of more of a country type artist I think her strongest work is probably when she's sort of doing pop music yeah or when she's not halfway between the two I, I think as well it's also a demonstration that even for people with a good, even for people with a good work ethic, like people who can work hard during a fucking global lockdown when everyone else is crying under a blanket, drinking gin and watching Tiger King, not mm. that I would have done that. They, no. you know, that being prolific, especially when you're a bit stuck for ideas due to a lack of stimulus, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to produce good stuff. Sometimes you're better keeping your powder dry. <laughs> a bit yeah, and I think watching so. a few episodes of Tiger King, maybe. Yeah, exactly. But look. Um, this album did sell 1.27 million copies. Oh yeah, so, sure. But I, I mean, guess for a bit of a, a lockdown project. Oh fuck, she's yeah, done quite fuck well. yeah. She's she's never had a flop, but no. I think by Taylor standards, that's not one of her biggest. No, like, yeah. But and I think in 2020, 
anybody selling oh, a million fuck. copies yeah. is like yeah. sort of insane because oh, nobody no, really buys music true anymore. That. True so that. pretty so good on that. True. Um, All right, who have we got next? Uh, a couple more weeks of um, Derulo and Josh six eight yep. five for Savage Love, and then twenty fourth of August we get holy shit we're here Tom Cardi B featuring Megan the Stallion WAP. WAP. Now, I don't know what that stands for, Ben, but maybe we'll find out over the course of this. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we six will. Six weeks. This, uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Is, um, uh, Cardi B's fourth Billboard number one, but yep. only her first number one in Australia. This is Neither of them have appeared on the charts here yet, so yep. this is their first appearance. Now, Tom, I know this is off-brand for me because I usually shit on all of the songs or, um, or mm. at least 90% of them and people would just assume that I would be like, oh, what the living fuck is this? But um, I'm a big fan of this one, <laughs> predominantly because it is just so fucking ridiculous. Uh, I like yeah. the audacity of writing and recording a song called wet ass pussy yeah i like that <laughs> and then not only just saying we're going to put we're going to record a song called wet ass pussy and throw it on the album cardi b's went fuck that it's a single we're yep. going to release that as a single yes um, even in 2020 she had to fight for that <laughs> yeah. apparently the record label weirdly enough were not that keen this be the first that's the main then we're going to film a ridiculous yep. music video for, video yep. for it, which is completely insane um, oh, and, and don't forget she performed it at the fucking Grammys yeah, as yeah, well. <laughs> for sure. Um, so power to that. And yeah. not only that, power to producing something with lyrical content that really resonates with the Australian public, I think, Tom. <laughs> so much so that it's deservably, you know, number one for six weeks. Look, mm. the public have clearly been starved for just a really, really long time of what what they really want in music. Yeah. Cardi B has delivered on that. You know, we've seen, you know, throughout the year we've had songs about, oh, what? We've had a dancing monkey. Yeah. We've had, you know, a song about someone's fucking cardigan, rappers acting like rock stars. But all they wanted the entire time was a song about extremely saturated snatch. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, uh, the track itself is catchy, like you say. Uh, it's built around... It reminded me a little bit of Anaconda, which we talked yeah, about a yeah. bit last week. Like you say, not meant to be taken seriously at all. Got to admire the audacity, but this makes that That's seem like uh, takes something quite little, reserved. Yeah. yeah, Like Anaconda, the track is built around a bass-heavy beat and a looping sample of DJ Frankski's Whores in This House. Yep. Uh, which may explain the video, which features a bunch of whores in a house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, did you see the video? Oh, Jesus, did, did I? You, yeah. There's a censored vocal one or a normal one. Yep. Uh, yeah, the top of the YouTube list version video features vocal censorship, which is utterly ridiculous yep. at this point. I mean, oh, it's been performed Jesus. at the Grammys for fuck's yep. sake. It means that instead of saying wet-ass pussy, the chorus is now wet and gushy. Which totally sounds—it sounds much worse. It sounds like what the clown from It would say while pushing children into a storm drain. I yeah. mean, wet ass pussy is like you know, 
Yeah, it's, it's kids probably just uh, you know what's it? It's a song about you know a cat or something. Oh, like, it's, drain or it's something, totally but, gross and lurid, yeah, but at but least wet it's and like gushy honest. is just like oh, fucking, fucking nice. disgusting. Yeah. yeah, absolutely gushy as well, not gushy. Oh my god! Yeah, did you watch the video? That yeah. Oh yeah, watched. Yeah, I uh, absolutely the, did. The Colin Tilly production is restrained and sophisticated affair, full of understated visual symbolism. <laughs> And hardly any torrential elevator in the shining flood tanks full of pussy juice <laughs> flowing down hallways. Yeah, uh, it, it was most... a missed opportunity, I think, Tom, yeah. <laughs> it mostly features the two title artists and Kylie Jenner or Kendall Jenner or Kenna Toys, one of those ones. Yeah. Uh, in a cruel irony, I believe she had all her own internal fluids vacuumed out to save weight at 13 on orders <laughs> of her mother. So the constant mentions of moisture in the song must make her quite sad or yeah. would if she was capable of expressing very triggering yeah yeah um i don't like the video too much because it looks sort of flat and dated and a bit dull really (laughs) given given the subject matter it looks like uh fergie's milk money video from Uh, with more ass crack it's got that deliberately kind of flat yeah um yeah even the twerking choreography isn't too impressive by modern standards and I mean if you're an ex-stripper singing about vaginas and you can't make wiggling your own look interesting then you know what else have you got to fall back on at that point yeah yeah. I think the song is more fun than the video I reckon oh absolutely yeah no I agree with that but hey that's just my own yeah look Tom great art as we know (laughs) ask more questions and answers it provides and as is the case here how wet exactly is a wet ass (laughs) What, you know, when it comes to pussy, I mean, Cardi B has provided the answer early in the piece with the line, <laughs> bring a bucket and a mop for this wet-ass mm-hmm. pussy. Now, it was, <laughs> Jesus Christ, it seemed that Cardi B's snatch is, you know, like one of those great geysers in Iceland, you know, <laughs> yep. just sort of blasting a thick stream of liquid periodically from deep inside. And mm. geyser is, you know, derived from the Icelandic word for gushing, which sort of works yep. in well with, True. as you said, the radio edit, which sort of means that. So, you know, I, I guess that sort of bring a bucket and a mop for this wet-ass pussy really paints a picture of sort of <laughs> just, you know, what's going on with that. So, look, sure does. I will say this, Tom, and I cannot stress this enough. If Cardi B comes over, you know, to your house for a <laughs> cup of tea, you Ooh, know... yeah. Or some Hennessy, as the case may be. Make sure you direct her away from any carpeted rooms in the house, because yes. there's some things a bucket and a mop just cannot That's assist right. also with. Also, any electrical equipment, yeah, I would say, for definitely. sure. Yeah. Look, and I don't know what was going on at the Grammys this year. You know, they usually lay down the red carpet for when the stars <laughs> arrive. But when Cardi B cars pulls up, you want to lay down a fucking tarp and several of them, I dare That's say, because right. that pussy is just getting fucking out of yeah, control. I believe at the Grammys they. Uh, go the red carpet in favour of a giant slip and slide <laughs> so no she just open her limo door at the top of the street and yep. just slide just open the snatch up and then it just <laughs> flies out and she just slips and slides straight into a seat which is fair enough absolutely now I don't know the, the, when it, I assume Tom you've got a lot of lyrical highlights this because the whole song is just a lyrical sure. highlight but I think no, the no, lyric, I think for me the lyric um, he bought a phone just for, for some pictures of this wet ass pussy is a highlight for me because I'd like to imagine <laughs> the scenario where Cardi B's man is just at like the Vodafone shop looking to upgrade to the iPhone 12 mm. 
and the staff member's like, oh, what, what sort of phone do you need? And he's just like, well, I do need a phone um, with a mm. better resolution so I can get some high-quality dripping vagina, you know, <laughs> shots. And look, and I know what he means, though. Look, I don't really sort of... I'm not going to criticise the man when it comes to that, you know, front about purchasing mm-hmm. a phone for the wet-ass pussy. I mean, you want the best-quality phone camera on the market, I think, at the time to capture those important family memories. Yeah. You know, anyone with kids will sort of be like, you know, I, I, I wanted that. You, you don't have time to reach out and get out your sort of, you know, no. SLR camera and do that. You want a good quality phone camera <laughs> to get right. the photos of the kids. And just like that, the man wants the best quality photos of Cardi B's snatch at any given time. You know, just ask Teo Cruz, those Kesha pussy photos from you know his song earlier <laughs> no, in the decade no. they haven't stood the test of time they in fact not. you know Kesha's pussy you know if you zoom in on that looks like a melted candle at this stage <laughs> so I yes. think what you want is he Teo Cruz would be like fucking hell if only I had iPhone 12 capabilities <laughs> when Kesha yes. was sending me those snatch photos Just, but he didn't. I hope for his sake he uh, bought one of those waterproof uh, rubber outer coatings for his iPhone otherwise <laughs> yeah, absolutely. he would have been taking it very, back very quickly with the voided warranty um, yeah indeed <laughs> uh, yeah got time for a quick uh, outrage report oh yeah relating to this song in particular <laughs> Uh, James P. Bradley, a Republican senator for the House in California, said, Cardi B and Megan the Stallion are what happens when children are raised without God and without a strong father figure. <laughs> Their new song, the WAP, which I heard accidentally, made me want to pour holy water in my ears and I feel sorry for future girls if this is their role model. Uh, another Republican hopeful in California, Deanne Lorraine, tweeted, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion just set the entire female gender back by 100 years with their disgusting and vile WAP song. In a follow-up, she added, Remember, Bernie Sanders campaigned with Cardi B. Just giving Bernie Sanders an extra 100,000 votes there in case he needed him. Uh, good work, conservatives. Always doing free publicity for musicians and left-wing politicians by making them seem way cooler than they are. By contrast, uh, a hundred years—that's a uh, you reckon mm, set back a hundred years? Mm, that's, that's a lot. You know. mm, that's nearly as much as uh, preventing them from having abortion. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the conservatives uh, are doing quite well at setting back. Wade, yeah. <laughs> Similarly, professional troll and small boy Ben Shapiro dedicated a segment on his show to reciting the lyrics to WAP, saying that they were vulgar, disgusting, and sardonically adding that the song is what feminists fought for. Shapiro, who is 40 years old, repeatedly used the phrase wet-ass P-word because he's too much of an F-word, P-word, C-word to swear on his own (laughs) radio show. Uh, He added that his wife, a doctor, said that it sounded like a problem these women had. As you might imagine, my wife says having a wet vagina means there's a problem did not turn out to be the brilliant defensive (laughs) ploy he clearly intended it to be. Uh, If you can't figure that out, then the nuanced idea that feminism includes the right to sluttishly wallow in your own sexuality the way men have been doing for thousands of years is going to be a bridge too far. Uh, In an interview with Billboard, very popular woman of the moment, Carol Baskin from Tiger King, (laughs) criticised the lurid video saying that the worst part of it is that it glamorises the idea of rich people having tigers as pets which Mm. they do in the video Cardi responded I'm not going to engage with Carol Baskin on that like that's just ridiculous you know like girl you killed your goddamn husband (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and when the song was performed at the Grammys it drew 80 complaints to the FCC 
<laughs> Although that's not too bad when you think about the no. 1,300 complaints they got for J-Lo and Shakira's less claggy performance at the Super Bowl that same year. Yeah. And just guess how many they received in 2004 after Janet Jackson showed three quarters of one boob for 0.6 of a second. Oh, 10,000? 540,000. <laughs> so even, it seems like even America may have been gradually getting tired of uh, self-important outrage. I mean, not that you would know that from watching politicians, but perhaps the public, uh, you know, just don't care about wet-ass pussies and very briefly exposed nipples the way they used to. I think if you had to sum up 2020 in a sentence, Tom, it would be that they ask Carol Baskin from Tiger King what she thought about the wet ass <laughs> pussy music video or indeed seems to sort of just be like who the fuck is this uh, someone that was famous for about two weeks because they breed tigers or whatever about Cardi B's video clip mm. ridiculous so look you know I guess what what I found interesting though um, was that you know as you as you mentioned Tom with that sort of the idea of having a radio edit for this is just the most insane thing anyone can think of. It's yeah. something else that I found like sort of quite <laughs> clever on the part of you know Cardi B to say let's release this as a single, let's make this music video, and then we better make a radio edit where we put wet and gushy in instead of you know wet ass pussy, which is ridiculous. Um, What's interesting is that, you know, I guess when you've got a song where Cardi B's snatch is like a credit card that you're meant to, you know, <laughs> swipe, your, sorry, swipe your nose through Cardi B's snatch-like credit card, I guess it's probably not going to really fly that you're going to be able to have a song like that mm. um, where you mention wet-ass pussy and various other things. Yeah. But um, I guess the good thing about the music video is that Cardi B was still able to wear a top with holes cut out where her boobs could just sort of <laughs> flop out of those. Although, you know, the nipples were covered by a little small sort of mm. tassel-type thing, so it was okay for the kids to watch, you know, mm. so, which was good. They look pretty uncomfortable in most of that video. Yeah. yeah I hope they took a lot of uh, moisture breaks. In oh, definitely. Um, I don't know, like, for you, Tom, were there any takeaways from this song, you know, apart from the fact that you're obviously going to get Dishpan Hands finger-blasting Cardi B? Yeah, uh, not really. I think, I think, yeah, as in the lyrics, I think if you're going to do a song like this, you just got to go all out. And oh, that, you do. That's why I feel, and I feel like they kind of did it with the song, but... That's why I felt like the video and the um, the radio edit were a bit of a cop out. Yeah. I feel like the live performance and the song itself were in the true, the, the, you know, the true nature of just balls to the wall. You know, yeah. I've just wrote a song called "Wet Ass Pussy." You know, it does make. It, it takes me back to the days of uh, the '90s where we had songs like "Cop Killer," which was about killing <laughs> yeah. cops by a band called Body Count, or. Um, killing in the name of which was about how police were killing in the name of things you know and yeah so yeah. you get drunk at parties and give teenage, teenagers an excuse to swear really loudly and piss their neighbours off yeah. you know I'm sure there are 14 year olds out there drinking Bundy and Cokes and singing wet ass pussy uh, happy in the knowledge that their parents would be appalled if they could oh, see no doubt <laughs> but uh, it does make it look 
rather quaint how people used to complain about salt and peppers let's talk about sex yeah i know uh, which I was know. just a song where they said let's have an open discussion about sex yeah and people went whoa holy shit well, like, about like i was saying even jenna jester's nipple that was only 15 years ago and that seems fairly tame but at this point by the standards yep. of a, yeah um, lyrics, uh, yeah, <laughs> extra large and <laughs> extra hard, put this pussy right in your face, wipe your nose like a credit card, <laughs> like you say, uh, the lyrics go all out and don't pretend otherwise, a bit like Anaconda, uh, if your song's called Giant Cock or Gaping Vagina, then, I mean, yes, it would be funnier if it was about Antiques Roadshow, but realistically, <laughs> people are going to want to hear you do the full two live crew filth parade, you know, yep. the only thing I find weird about it is... Bragging about how wet your pussy is. I mean, unless you're sort of post-menopausal or suffering from a medical condition, I would have thought that bragging about being able to get a wet pussy would be like a dude bragging that he can achieve an erection. Oh, yeah, fair point. That's about 60% of hair metal and gangster rap. Yeah. No, that's all that. All I've got to say. I think the song really speaks for itself, Ben. It's beginning with the title. And goes on from there. It does really (laughs) speak for itself, yeah, absolutely. But I'm just glad that um, Cardi B was able to provide the Australian public with what they wanted because people obviously listen to this enough to get it to number one for six weeks. Yeah. Fantastic. So, for sure, more more wet pussy tracks, I think, we're going to (laughs) see coming in the future, one would hope. Well, we can only hope, sure. Absolutely. But, I mean is the only way to improve on this is to write a song about a wetter pussy. Is that, you know, bucket and a mop is one well, thing, but I'll leave it to, you know, the lyrical geniuses, you know, I'd like to think Max Taylor Martin. Swift yeah, Taylor Swift, she, 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 she should be able to do something. Yeah, exactly. She'll be able to come up with something. So what do we got next? Then? Um, 8th of October, Tom, it is 24K Golden featuring Ian Dior, Mood. Mood, yes, a big one. I never heard this one before, but yeah. uh, eleven weeks, including the next few songs, pop up and interchange a bit. So this goes right through the end of the year and into next year. This song yeah. with a few bits in between. Uh, surprise hit for two young guys that hadn't done much previously. Shot to number one here and in the US, mainly on the strength of a catchy hook and a sort of lightweight strummy guitar part that yeah. gives it a sort of summery pop vibe. And, you know, if you'll forgive an old person, for me, it helps it make it feel more like a sort of actual relationship-themed pop rap jam along the lines of an old Jazzy Jeff song, you know, or like a De La Soul B-side or something than a lot of the sort of staccato, melody-vacant, Drake-flavoured bullshit that we get a lot of today. Yeah, yeah. so as you said, we've got a, several, yeah, a lot of weeks of this for 24 characters. He's... Ba- he's- Sort of, I guess, what's the track about? He's complaining that his chick's kind of always acting like a bit of a bitch. He's always she? having a mood, yeah. Always, always the, like, ah, you know. It was a Bieber song along the same lines. Yep. That was, yeah, it was like, ah, oh, what's up with you all the time? You on your period or something? Yeah. That, that kind of vibe. And, and this track is another one, Tom, that first gained traction on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I think, as you said, due to oh that sort God. of that hook, the third bit song of a hook. Year, so, yes. you know, yeah. you get something, you, you upload the 10 seconds of hook on TikTok, it gets replayed. <laughs> played a billion times and then people like want to listen to the whole song so Fuck, yeah I hate TikTok sorry that's just me personally yeah look um, quote from 24 Karat Golden um, it's really crazy because I wasn't even trying to make music that day um, I for one kind of wish you'd taken the day off to be <laughs> yeah. completely honest because yeah. certainly don't need this track in my life I'll say that 
Yes, no, he mentioned that they were sitting around and he heard, uh, and that, uh, yeah, well, uh, uh, Omer Fetty, who's credited on the track, uh, Omer was uh, strumming away a bit on the, he just made up that hook yep. and he just did the, the, he just had a, you know, did the little the little chorus hook over the top of it and that's that's the whole song basically. Everything else is just, you know, oh, dressing on, on top of that shit. It's credited to Ian Dior, 24 Karat Golden, plus producers K. Beasy, Blake Slatkin, and Omer Fetty. Uh, from the sounds of it, yeah, uh, that Omer did the guitar part, the original. Uh, I thought it was a sample because it is it is really catchy. I mean, it's got catchiness if it's got anything else. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, Omer has worked with Sam Smith, Machine Gun Kelly, and Post Malone. Oh, geez, three of the biggest. Yeah, it made me think: is it, is it possible that this entire time Omer Fetty has been the secret genius behind the scenes, using his own talent to prop up these creatively barren artists? You know, <laughs> possibly. If so, does that make him a great musician of our times, or a man who should be on trial for hate crimes? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Probably the latter, I dare say. Another question, uh, if you've got time. What I do you do. think that Ian Dior and 24 Karat Golden are the new crisscross? You know, oh, I'd hope so. In the sense that they're two teenagers with equally laughable haircuts and they've successfully produced one hit song with a great deal of resistance between them? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, they do wear their clothes in the correct <laughs> manner, though, so they I wouldn't do. quite go as far as saying that they're new crisscross. But... I think Tom Watt sort of strikes him with this. It's just, you know, the work ethic of Gen Z. You know what I mean? You know, oh, I wasn't even trying to make music that day. That's just sort of, isn't that just so fucking typical? Just walk into the studio, I'm just going to play PlayStation all day. Not going to bother even trying to make music. Oh, because that's too hard to do Mm. my job, which is being a songwriter and a creative talent writing, you know, songs for our generation. But, you know, just couldn't be bothered really. And then... Fortunately, someone else went, oh, well, I'll better do it for you then. And then, that, you know, he comes up with a hit. And it's just sort of, just shows for me, just the absolute lack of commitment to anything. I, I mean, back in my day, we had people like Stockhaken and Waterman oh, who oh, yeah. put 15 or 20 minutes into a song, you yep. know, at a time. <laughs> I know. Between the three of them in the back of the car on the exactly. way back from the pub, you know. Exactly right. To come exactly. up with lyrics like, I should be so lucky, yeah. lucky, 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 yeah. lucky, Ky- lucky, Kylie's lucky. Kylie's coming in today. We need to write it. Oh, okay, fucking hell. Let's put put the coke away. Let's get onto this. And then, you know, you're right. Yeah. They would commit a solid quarter of an hour, <laughs> you know, and they'd get come up with a song. Whereas nowadays the kids are like, oh, I can't be, I don't want to do it. That's I don't even right. want to do music today. So I'm just going to play the PlayStation mm. and like, someone else has to do it for them. And then they just, That's right. why are you always in a mood? And then they sort of, you know, yeah. just do and that. I mean, and it's, it's easy for me to look at this and think, well, I could make a good song if I had three separate producers working on it. Yeah. But, you know, I mean... You know, back in the day, Stockake and Waterman, they only had a Nintendo ROB to do the production. Right, I know, on they their, did, absolutely. On thing, you know, they were doing it all on the Commodore 64, I think. As so anyone who's I... ever used one, take 20 minutes to move one small plastic disc from one side <laughs> of a Nintendo joypad to the other side, you know. It was a slow way to write songs. Exactly right, yeah. exactly. Look, so 24 Karat Golden, um, since this track, he's released 11 non-album singles. Yeah. Um, all of which the... have failed to chart. So he's so following the Tones and Iron. He's <laughs> following the Tones and Iron, Iggy Azalea sort of route of just 
keep just throwing shit at a wall yeah. and hoping that something sticks. I know, so, I, know I was yeah. last week I was talking about that new model of maybe not releasing albums anymore, but I'm starting to see some holes in the, yeah. <laughs> in this business model. I think maybe the world's not ready for that business model yeah. yet. The problem is though, unless I, you're Kanye, maybe he can I get do, away with it. I do feel a little bit sorry though for for twenty four k golden because he was kind of he was forced into the industry. I don't really know whether he wanted to be a musician mm. or you know be famous at all. I don't really know what growing up he wanted to do, but I feel like this is something that his parents sort of forced him into, and he sort of went, okay, you know, I'll reluctantly take on the role of being a pop musician mm-hmm. um, because his real name is Golden Landis Von Jones. <laughs> And you can't really work in an office with that name, Tom. You sort no. of, if your name, if you your parents have jewelers, I think so. Yeah, if your if your parents have named you Golden Landis Von Jones, you, you sort of have to pursue mm. some sort of you know creative career <laughs> or trying to become an actor or a TikToker or whatever the fuck it is that kids want to do. Do some sort of youtube thing or something but yeah you can't just go and get a job uh, you're right at like an office yeah maybe zamel's the jeweler correct <laughs> you can do that but just to sort of show up and go i want to yeah. get a job you know just working you know at like a suburban accounting firm or something so what's your name golden landers van jones they'd be like you got to go and be a pop star that, I think yeah. Golden Landis Van Jones is more fun to say than 24 karat golden and yeah, easy so. to spell probably. But. Oh, well, look, I hope that he'll follow in you know the footsteps of the weekend and he'll ditch his sort of stage name and just go on and do that, I think, mm. so we can hope for that. The video is pretty boring. Uh, mm. It features way too much of the taint angle camera for my liking. You know, where <laughs> yes. they have the camera facing up virtually <laughs> yeah. with the person standing over it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, also a great deal of like... 50% opacity overlaid cloud effects, which uh, I haven't seen since, like, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was the hottest <laughs> shit out. So I think they were trying to make that come back, and I don't know if that's going to happen because it looks fucking Is ridiculous. this a pandemic video, Tom, where they're just, like, going, Could let's, be. Just, let's just do what the Chili Peppers that's, were doing 30 years that's ago? That's a fair point, actually. I had not taken that into consideration, but, yeah. They only I mean, had the effects available on their sort of... Yeah, you know, and they didn't have the Taylor Swift budget of making it look like it was done on a film set in your backyard yeah. yeah exactly yeah uh lyrics um employing the tit wank uh this is a straightforward category b song uh, and i'm tired <laughs> of boning you song yeah uh, why are you always in a mood fucking round acting brand new i ain't trying to tell you what to do but try to play it cool uh, that plus Omar's guitar part is the hooky chorus that puts this one over the top into one hit wonder territory. Yeah. So why are you trying to feign your love on the regular when you could be blowing up just like my cellular? I won't ever let a shorty go and set me up. Only thing I need to know is if you wet enough. Ooh. Mm, it's good to hear a new generation of Gen Z artists carrying on the rock tradition of getting annoyed at chicks for having emotions. Yep. And I would have added reducing their function to the moisture level of their vaginas. Uh, except Cardi B already got there first, <laughs> so maybe they're into that now. So, you know, yeah. maybe he's right on track. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I wonder Tell if... Tell him if, if he's wet enough and, you know, do you reckon, whether he needs a mop. Yeah, did 24K <laughs> Golden... Do you think um, that was already in the lyrics or you think he, he heard the Cardi B song and just went, yeah. what people need is, That's is right. wet vagina content right now? So yeah. maybe it was, um, what was it the other week where someone came, made someone else re-record it? Uh, it was, um, was it that Senorita song where... Uh, 
Uh, Remember uh, Sean Mendes? It had already been recorded, and then the other chick was like, you got to put this one line in there. Oh, so it yeah. made them re-record part yeah. of the song. It was like literally at the CD pressing plant. She's <laughs> like, no, 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 hold the press. We've got to record this. Maybe that's the same with 24 Karat Gold. Mm. The song was done and then he heard WAP and he's just like, fucking hell, got to get a wet pussy line in there yeah. just to sort of it's tip it over the part edge. Part of the yeah. moment. Yeah, and, and hey, it, was, it worked. Yeah, it did. You know? yeah, got 11 sure. weeks for this thing. Exactly. I mean, we, we it, is, it is catchy. It's not, I didn't, it's not my favourite song of the year, but it's better than some of them. And yeah. Yeah, it's got that. It's got that one hit wonder vibe where you like. Oh, definitely. We'll never hear from either of these people ever no, again. But and it, I'm it, quite happy with if that. If you're song. listening to a 100% hit CD, uh, you know. Why are you always in a mood? <laughs> 10 years from oh, now, you know, the way, the way you will be, you might go, oh, yeah, that song. I remember that. That was kind of catchy. Exactly right. Yeah. All right, what do we got? Uh, 2nd uh, of November. 2nd of November. Ariana Grande is back, Tom, with Positions. Yes, only two weeks this time, but yeah, she's back again. Uh, yeah, as I think we've already confirmed, yep. Ariana Grande is a Bratz doll who was brought to life by a warlock pedophile. <laughs> so her musical range was always going to be a bit limited. Yep. But I thought this song was coming dangerously close to almost having a melody yep. compared to most of her hits. I, I mean, agree. I instantly forgot it three seconds after the song ended, but that's better than never being able to detect it in the song in the first place. Correct, you know? correct. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, sometimes you listen to the songs and go, what? It's sort of just ended. I don't really know what's happened. It's I just was waiting of, for it to start. It's just it's her kicking her legs up and, and down on the bed. But this time, um, you're right, yeah, definitely a bit of a melody in there. And what I like about this song, Tom, is that we get Ariana here. She's provided us with a bit of a sneak peek into the future mm. um, in the music she video sure has, where yes. she's featured as the President of the United States of America, which yes. I assume... Will one day happen? Not sure. Probably not. Not, not 2024, I yes. don't think. Not the band, the no, person. No, no. But yeah, exactly. For sure, yeah, exactly. So I think we can assume, yeah, she's not doing a, uh, a cover of Peaches <laughs> no. on this one, unfortunately, but that might be coming up on a future I was going to say, at this so, point in history, I'd say she's probably overqualified for the job. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So the music video, as we mentioned, Ariana is the president of the USA. Yep. Um, I'm really surprised the music video didn't feature a sequence of her laying on the desk in the Oval Office, kicking her legs up and down. I know. With her hands under her I chin. I was waiting That's for it to happen. Because every fucking music video she does that, I'm yeah. just like, she's the president. Get her on that desk. There, do the legs up and down. I, 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 scan, I panned back and forward uh, trying to find the spot to see if there was one mm. after I'd watched it because I know. There's one bit where she's got her head in an oven yes and and she's kicking her legs up in the air a bit there but it's not quite it's like a it's like a 60% yeah yeah and there's a bit where she's lying down with her head on her hands and I keep waiting for the legs to appear in the background but no yeah Uh, whoever was directing this should have just been like get on the fucking desk kick the legs up and down come on what's going on so the lyrical theme of the song um, Tom Mm -hmm. discusses Ariana undertaking various roles for her partner yes um, but they didn't call the song roles they could they could have called yes. it roles you know because it's like here's the different roles no, I'll untake but they called it positions as this also Sounds implies sexy, a, uh, yeah. a deep a deep dicking element to that as well yeah. so um, so effectively Ariana is by day president of the United States of America yep. in the video clip 
Then when she gets home uh, from a hard day at the office, she takes on the role of that sort of domestic goddess. Mm -hmm. She's cooking an amazing meal for her husband, you know, making a dessert, doing all those sorts of things. Um, And then after that, she takes up another role in the bedroom as the fuck toy for her partner to penetrate in any way that he chooses. Mm. Now, they're the sort of the the positions that she's sort of taken on the video clip. So let's drill down on this a little bit further, Tom. (laughs) Um, If Ariana is the president of the United States of America... Shouldn't her husband be doing the cooking? <laughs> yes, I was going to say. Yeah, like a lot of these videos, it kind of hedges its bets. Yeah, you know? absolutely. She's obviously sexualized in every image in the video. Yeah. Yet the video also has the kind of naive sterility of Hannah Montana's bedroom or a Katy Perry thing. You know, the entire song is about devoting yourself to a man with a slavish intensity. Yet the video essentially features nobody else in no, it, except no. Grande and a few background extras as her staff. Like some 80s Playboy playmate, she's like writhing around in the kitchen getting all flowery and lingerie and heels despite being totally alone and lacking even the actual nudity of the softcore thing that they're evoking. It's like, this is sort of like titillation for the generation of empowerment via Instagram and it's suitably weak as piss, I reckon. At, oh, one, at one point, she says fuck in the lyrics, and that's much racier than anything that happens on screen in the whole video, you know? And similarly, yep. the entire sort of self-validated woman concept is slightly let down by every word in the whole song. Oh, no doubt. And every outfit choice in the video. Yep. But hey, maybe I'm being unreconstructed, you know? Obviously, a female president should be able to dress how they want. Oh, of course, know? yeah, definitely. Do you reckon Hillary Clinton could have improved her chances with the American public if she dressed exclusively in 11-inch Lucite stripper heels (laughs) like Ariana Grande does in every single shot. I think so. I think she could Mm. have, yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, yeah, she's been hard at it all day in the music video. Yes. You know, we don't see behind the scenes, but look, maybe she had to meet with Scott Morrison or Invade Iraq or something like that. But, you know, the whole point of, I guess, the song is that it's like, you know, I'm going to do all these as, as your partner... I'm prepared to sort of cook for you. I'm prepared to clean for you. I'm prepared to then, you know, get boned by you, you know, all those Mm -hmm. sorts of things for sure. But um, I think probably including those things with being the president of the United States of America, maybe just took it a step too far for me. Maybe she could have just been Ariana Grande, the pop star. Maybe she could have mm, just done that. Mm. I'm a pop singer. I'm going to also... <laughs> but even then, Ariana Grande's not coming home and cooking the dinner. She'd have some sort of... You know, she'd be at Uber Eats no. or she'd have like a, a... Probably a live-in chef or some shit like That's that. That's right. So. Or if you want to actually contrast it, why not do something interesting in the video and have the guy doing the concept of the verses? Like, why not have her acting as the president and having a guy doing all of the stuff that she's talking about in the video? So she's just singing in his role. Like, he's devoting himself to her and doing all of the actual shit. Oh, exactly. Like, like you say, you've been in the office all day, then you've got to put on a fucking Madonna costume, take all the rest of your clothes off and roll around on the kitchen bench, you know? Exactly. I don't think Obama was fucking coming home and cooking up the meals. George W. Bush probably had the barbecue pit I reckon he would have been coming yeah. home and he would he had right. a full on man cave I reckon he, he would have he would have come up. home from a day of being president had a full hog on the rotisserie mm-hmm. I reckon every day and just yep. crushed that down I think so 10 yeah. kilo bag of pretzels next to the sofa absolutely um, so the song Positions is off the album also called Positions uh, okay. Tom um, this is the first single the follow up single to this track 
was called um, 34 plus 35, um, which adds up to, wait for it, 69, Tom. Oh, my God. How do you decode this? So, (laughs) Flo Rida has his blowjob anthem, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, and now Ariana hits us with a 69er anthem, just in case you're bad at maths, obviously. 34 (laughs) and 35 adds up to 69, and she spells that out in the track at the end of the song with the lyric... 3435 means I want a 69 with ya. So oh, she I says see. that at the end, just in case you're going, what the <laughs> fuck is this song about? I cannot figure this out at all because I am a child of the American education system mm. and unable to do simple addition. Therefore, I don't know what Ariana's new song's about. And then at the end, she says, 34 and 35, 69. And it was, oh, okay, got it. Yep, absolutely, which is fantastic. Um, and the other, but you know, lyrics during the course of the song include, "You can, can you stay up all night? Fuck me until the daylight." Um, mm. So we sort of know where we're going with that. And Ariana advises us in the lyrics of the song that she's been drinking coffee, so she's caffeinated enough for some all night deep dicking. So that's probably my age. That sounds nightmarish. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't spend really know. 36 hours without sleep in order to service <laughs> the needs of a hyper-caffeinated Bratz doll brought to life by a warlock pedophile. I don't think Ariana Who's Grande... Who's also the president. I don't think know. she needs 12 hours of deep dicking, personally. I don't think she personally needs <laughs> that. No, also. I think she's exaggerating So I, I think the song is sort of... Yeah, you're right, for sure. So I mean, I'm impressed that she came up with that complex mathematical code. It was like when um, Brittany invented that uh, clever wordplay of if you seek Amy, <laughs> but then was terrified that people wouldn't oh, be able to de- oh, God, de- decode you this enigma-style cipher, so she had to introduce the song with a bit explaining what it was in the form of a news if report. If you seek Amy, yeah, mm. fantastic, which is fantastic. So yeah, anyway, so 34 and 35 positions. I think we're seeing a bit of a, a, yes. a, a theme in this yeah. sort of... She's also um, got a song called Walking Side to Side, which is about being so thoroughly railed that you can't walk properly anymore. <laughs> okay. Great. Fantastic. That was another big hit by the 12-year-old-looking <laughs> songstress. Uh, lyrics uh, mm. credited to producers Killer B, Mr. Franks, London on the track and TB hits, plus Just Acoustic, Angelina Barrett, Niger and the Caucasian Ariana Grande. Uh, Boy, I'm trying to meet your mama on a Sunday, then make a lot of love on a Monday. Never need no one else, babe, because I'll be switching them positions for you. Cooking in the kitchen and I'm in the bedroom. I'm in the Olympics way. I'm jumping through hoops. That's not an Olympic event. No, my love, <laughs> infinite. Nothing I wouldn't do that I won't do switching for you. Uh, the video, I suspect, is an attempt to counteract the extremely old-fashioned nature of those lyrics. <laughs> I mean, this is some food on the table when I get home, Stepford wife stuff. Mm. You know, which is fine if that's how she's genuinely feeling about some dude at the time. But making yourself the president in the video is not going to magically counteract that Mad Men <laughs> Betty <laughs> vibe, especially if the president spends half her time jilling it in the White House kitchen over a half-cooked turkey. You know? Yeah. What do you think, Ben? Is that the way the president should behave? Oh, look, I think so. Look, definitely. So I, I 
don't really know what goes on in the White House apart from deep dicking, mm. I think. That's the only thing that well, I assume goes on I in the White House. I think it's House, disgraceful, so. Ben. Look, yep. deep down, we both know the president should be a decent Christian, 200-year-old white man up on rape charges, <laughs> the way God intended, okay? Yep, for sure. Um, what do you think about um, Melania Trump? She would have been sort of in there doing the Ariana Grande-style... Cooking in, in, in the kit, making the meals. Oh yeah, and that sort she's of thing, so. she's deeply familiar with pots and pans. She definitely knows what they are and how to operate them. I'm sure <laughs> she's cooked many a complicated meal. That lady. Yeah, exactly. I saw right. she wasn't out the back getting railed by seven to eight secret servicemen most of the time. In a yeah, and look to giant, be fit. thoroughly locked bedchamber, <laughs> elm suite outdoor area. But to be fair on her though, I, I think that she probably if she doesn't prepare those meals she probably wanted to but then just knows that the husband's you know really just needs a quarter pounder or six oh, and yeah. that's it so there's you know. not much point cooking complicated shit for a guy whose idea of hot cuisine is a well done steak with ketchup on top of it yeah exactly so look it's um this is a great song and i thoroughly enjoyed the sort of glimpse into the future because i imagine it'll be like that simpsons episode where donald trump was the president and then we'll look back on this in, what, 2032 and go, holy shit, Ariana Grande, <laughs> she is the president. She True. did it back in that video clip. Um, hopefully she's got a live-in chef because she shouldn't have to be doing that cooking That's herself. Right. So. Absolutely. Um, anything else to say about this one? No, no. I thought uh, Megan the Stallion was a good choice for VP, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Cardi VP B. and Minister of Twerking. Yeah, absolutely. Or Cardi B, both of them, I think. <laughs> sure. So either or. It's it's you know, it's a tough choice on, on that, I think. So sure. but you know, All both right. both would work out well, I think. So um, what have we got next? Couple more former weeks of that twenty four yeah, golden guy and, and then at twenty one December, Taylor is back. Taylor Swift one with week. Willow. Yes. Uh, first single from her other album of 2020. <laughs> Clearly she was one of those infuriating fucking people who got more productive during lockdown. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, the only thing I was producing was uh, Hangover Fumes. <laughs> yeah, this was co-written and produced by Aaron Dressner again and the first single from uh, her second most recent album, which was Evermore, before she re-recorded her old albums and then went into full electro mode with Jack Antonoff on Midnight's, uh, yep. which is her most recent. According to Taylor, Willow is about intrigue, desire, and the complexity that goes into wanting someone. I think mm. it sounds witchy and magical, like casting a spell to make somebody fall in love with you. Do you feel like that came across in the song, Ben? Um, as someone who's a big fan of the Bette Midler vehicle Hocus Pocus, Tom, <laughs> I didn't feel that this was witchy enough. No, so, me too. It, yeah. it lacked witchiness. Yeah. Um, and as a witch house fan as well, I didn't feel that there was any level of witchiness in this at all. So I think well, I on, a, on a sheer witch scale, I think yes. it sort of failed. I know so. you've been working on a witch-themed band where yep. everyone in the band has to have a witch-related surname. Yeah, you're Gary Witch. <laughs> well, much like Michael Vampire, this yes. figure that is very, mm. you know, it's of the moment. Why, you know? why spend time being creative when you can just say it's a witch themed band? Well, I'm Gary Witch. Yeah. I mean, we've had so far this millennia, we've yeah. had fucking five years of vampires, yep. five years of werewolves, 
five years of fucking zombies. Maybe mm. it's maybe it's the wishing hour and witches. And yeah, I'm it. Gary Witch. Eurodance witches. Yeah. That's what we need. The bass player is um, going to be Ray Broom, <laughs> which is a, a play on words of former Tasmanian Premier Ray Groom, oh, which is a, a massive familiar. deep cut for, <laughs> for anybody that's not 40 years old and from Tasmania. Um, but yeah, very da- so, his brother David Broom. Absolutely. Well. And then Shane Pumpkin on the drums. So um, I've spent as much creative... <laughs> You know, material on this as I think Taylor did for this song. Yeah. So, um, Taylor described this as a chamber folk ballad, read boring. Um, yeah. I think folk. this is probably yeah. worse than the Cardigan song. I that think wasn't so great. Too. I think this one was probably yeah. even less exciting. I, I prefer, they're similarly yeah. wet and of the same. They, they really do sound like they're of a piece. I was legit surprised to read because I hadn't really been following. I didn't read the albums that closely. That these were from different albums. I just assumed they were from the same one. Yes, I'm thinking she pulled a user illusion. She just (laughs) did two albums worth of material because she was trapped in her bedroom and then then did this. Yeah, the music video is a continuation of the story in Cardigan, making this basically the Super Babies, Super Baby Geniuses tour of music videos. That's right. Being a uh, continuation of something shit to begin with that no one wanted. So Mm, I'm looking forward to the Estranged Volume Three. Uh, blade trinity oh, of, of baby videos. geniuses three or uh, of, of uh, the Taylor videos, perhaps yep. a crossover with yeah. baby geniuses. Oh, absolutely, yeah. This uh, video was, as you say, is also directed by her. Um, I quite like some of her songs, but this is as thin and wispy as uh, positions, and equally wet and as thin and wispy as um, uh, cardigan and. Yep equally wet and whimsical in lyrical terms which is all about being love, being in love with my man who in the video looks like Keanu Reeves' dorky nephew yeah I mean there's a little Red Riding Hood fairy tale vibe to the whole thing except it's all kind of toothless and absent any sense of danger or witchiness or visual metaphor really other than sort of following a glowing line until you get to make out with Gary Reeves before his <laughs> Oklahoma audition and she looks good in a cardigan but fucking hell you need to work a bit harder than that these days you know you're competing with fire hydrant vadgers lady presidents and whatever acid trip FKA twigs is working on next yeah. you can't just sit around in chunky knitwear hoping that people go oh look at her she's cute you know at least come up with something interesting yep um look I think Tom that this song reminds me of how much of a fan Taylor Swift is of uh the Wu-Tang Clan um because obviously she she had the Wu Wear vibe on uh, Cardigan, and with yes. this one she's released a uh, a cashmere willow cricket bat, I believe, <laughs> to sort of tie in with this sort of song. I was um, hoping that which you is might say which that. is quite good because I assume that all of Taylor Swift's American fans are well versed in uh, yeah. in Test match cricket, and of course the <laughs> items that are required to play said game. So. <laughs> Um, Tom, I think, what, what else do you have to say about Willow particularly? Or um, I've, Like I mentioned before, I've previously accused Taylor Swift of trying a bit hard to fight against her perceived reputation. Yeah. The entire Reputation album, for instance. <laughs> but here and in Cardigan, she seems to be doing the opposite, e.g. totally leaning into her sort of gel pen diary romantic side. Yeah. And it's pretty ineffectual, at least for, on me, you know. As you say, they, they sold all right. 
but yeah, perhaps I'm not romantic enough, but romance and fairy tales have to contain an element of risk, you know, or they don't really mean anything. Even the Val Kilmer film Willow, which I believe this song was <laughs> named after, understands that if you're going to have a fairy tale, you've got to have death and violence and monsters or something in it, you know, yeah. like otherwise it's just a in, unbelievably twee love song thing that's got, you know, hooded cloaks in it and stuff. But yeah. 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 Um, oh, also, she's still packing fans in and stressing out the Ticketmaster infrastructure, I notice. Um, no doubt, Tom. She's on her ears tour right now. Tickets for her Sydney pre-sale went on sale a couple of days ago in Australia. 800,000 people in the lounge half an hour before opening time. Yep. Four million people tried to buy tickets. And Ticketmaster said that their algorithms killed half a billion auto-purchasing attempts from bot scalper bot things although how many got through they're not going to report uh once you're in the lounge they claim it's random who gets tickets anyway but yeah um just for context so four million people apparently tried to buy tickets for this the population of australia is 25 million people so yeah. effectively <laughs> pretty fucking nuts, basically one in five people were trying to buy a ticket for that, so. yeah um look as you said tom that was a massive sort of, yeah announcement this week, and that yep. was sort of came out to get those tickets in the in the last couple of days. Now we've got our tickets, obviously, for the year, sure. so that goes yeah. without saying. Um, <laughs> but when you look at the sort of scenarios that are available to people to buy tickets, um, there are a lot available now. Um, the G reserve ticket, eighty dollars. Yep. Um, which I assume was behind a pole 400 yep. metres from the stage. That's Ticketmaster. There yep. would have been three of those in the <laughs> entire giant arena. Exactly. Yep. Um, and then all the way through F Reserve, E Reserve, etc., etc., up to A Reserve, which I think you're right, sort of yep. in that bit at the front of the stage. Now, that's for the sort of the regular people, the plebs, but you and I, um, being big Swifties, mm-hmm. we went in for obviously, you know, some of those special VIP packages. Yep. Um, people might be saying, Ben and Tom, why would you spend <laughs> such a large amount of money on these VIP packages? Well, you know, you get the special set of four Taylor Swift prints, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the commemorative Taylor Swift The Era's Tour VIP tote bag. Yep. Uh, you get the, the, the Taylor Swift pin, the sticker, the postcard set, the souvenir concert ticket, VIP uh, laminate and matching lanyard. Sure. So I've got all of those, Tom, but um, I don't know. Are we going to be sitting together because uh, there's the We Never Go Out of Style package for 350 which gets you one awesome e-reserve ticket? I don't know whether whether that's what you went in for. Mm. It's a love story package, one excellent D-reserve ticket. That's 400 bucks. Yeah. Uh, ready for it package, one amazing B-reserve ticket at $600, Tom. Yeah. Remember, all of these, you get the tote bag, the sticker, sure. the, 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 the lanyard, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, remember it all too well package one incredible A reserve for seven fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, Karma is my boyfriend package one phenomenal A reserve <laughs> ticket at nine hundred and then it's been a long time coming package one unforgettable A reserve floor ticket at one thousand two hundred and fifty. Wow. That would want to be in Taylor's lap, I would say, for most of the concerts. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing, Tom. So, look, I, I I guess, you know, it sort of raises the question, a lot of people have said, what is the difference between 
something that's phenomenal and something that's unforgettable. <laughs> True. Taylor's answered that. The difference is uh, three hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> I think. So that we know. Hey, don't once forget and for that all, lanyard, Ben. Well, those absolutely. things aren't cheap. Absolutely right. Now, look, you can't think, get you can't just get a tote bag for free while buying two oranges at yeah. any grocer in town, Ben. Now, for twelve fifty, Tom, I'm happy with the <laughs> A Reserve, unforgettable yeah, seat. I've sure. got that. I'm happy with that. You know, I'm happy with the the Taylor Swift prints. I'm happy with the uh, the era's tote bag. Yep. Happy with the pin, the sticker, the postcard set, the concert ticket, the VIP laminate and matching lanyard. Mm-hmm. But I, I think for twelve fifty, <laughs> I as you said, I'd probably want an a sort of a you know a personalised leaked photo of uh, Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal's penis. I think I'd probably yeah. want that. Something from Taylor's personal iPhone, you know, that sort of, probably his dick, I think, that signed by Taylor would be good. I think a food package would be ideal. I yeah. sort of want to, I'm sitting down on that seat. I've mm. paid twelve fifty. I've got the lanyard, I've got the tote bag, I've got the pin sticker, concert ticket, uh, you know, I've got the VIP tour laminate. But yeah. I want to sit down there and go, I'm at Taylor's thing. I'd probably, you know... Twelve fifty. I'd I'd like dinner included. I want to open it up. Yeah. I want to see what is the signature Taylor Swift burrito. What is in that? I want to sort of get that. You know, hammer that down. Mm. I don't. If I'm spending twelve fifty, I don't want to have to go out for dinner beforehand. No. And then hit the show. I want to show up there. I want no. Taylor's burrito. I don't even care what's in it. I just want that. The Taylor signature burrito. Maybe you know whatever her her special sauce is. Whatever. I don't care. It's, just a, want it's, that. it's so ticket mastery, isn't it? Because for VIP, I mean, maybe it's Taylor. Who knows? But VIP implies that you will be uh, allowed. You'll be given entry to an area that other people are not allowed to a lot of VIP tickets include some sort of backstage thing maybe you get to shake hands with a person maybe you get to say hi or they're at a table and you get to walk past and take a quick photo or something like that but yeah I mean I understand that Taylor's fairly busy but still (laughs) for $1,250 you know now I would think you'd want to go home with, at minimum, the risk of having contracted some sort of infection from the artist. Oh, exactly. Look, I mean, that's what you get with the Motley Crue tour. I think you end up, you go <laughs> home right. with, with uh, you know, Ebola. So it's good, but... Or your money back, <laughs> yeah, I think, exactly. is guarantee. But the question is, though, Tom, an A reserve is 400 bucks. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, the uh, it's been a long time coming package, A reserve... Eight, the twelve hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. So there's a an eight hundred and fifty dollar difference mm-hmm. there. I'm not sure that four Taylor Swift prints, the <laughs> tote, pin sticker, postcard set, lanyard, and tour laminate mm. are worth eight hundred and fifty dollars. No, not unless that lanyard and laminate give you backstage access. That's no, <laughs> exactly. If you're talking about some sort of crappy show bag, not that I would suggest that that's what you just described. Then yes, eight hundred and fifty bucks for a yeah. crappy show bag does seem. I should say that these sold out in a matter of seconds. They by did, the way, they all did. of those they were they were the first release. Yeah. They sold so many that you could only get them via the American Express website yep. and it, there was so much demand that it crashed the American Express website. Yeah. So, yeah, fucking hell. Look, I think, um, but I don't begrudge Taylor for these ticket prices because I think that um, if the fans are willing to pay that, then yes. why not? And, and I will say, I hope- mean... Yeah, sorry. No, no, right. go, go, go. I've seen a lot of. Uh, I'm Generation X, so in the last decade or two, I've seen a lot of 
greatest hits album, yeah. you know, or best album reprisal nostalgia tours. This is her greatest hits show. And it's meant to typically run for three and a half hours. So yep. when she says greatest hits, she's not fucking around. She doesn't mean one off each album. No. She's talking about if you like your if you like the song, I'm gonna fucking play it at some point. Absolutely. Three and a half hours, you'd better I'd wanna be I'd probably have to if I was drinking I'd need to go to the toilet three or four times at this stage I reckon or carry a suspiciously large uh, bottle of apple juice with me all the whole time (laughs) well you can take a dump in that tote bag Tom if you pray for the sort of uh... I could maybe take one of DeBaby's range of signature adult diapers for when you get (laughs) correct Correct. Shot through the abdomen and have to wear a colostomy bag for the rest yep. of your life. Yeah. Um, so look, they sold out very, very quickly. Um, Tom, I went for the unforgettable A Reserve floor <laughs> ticket. Of course you did. So yeah. um, I'm not sure about you, but look, hope to see you there. Sure. Please send me a photograph of that lanyard because I'm guessing it must be pretty special. Um, it's it's by my calculations worth four hundred dollars. So yes, <laughs> well, it should be. I don't think I've ever seen a four hundred dollar. No, lanyard. no, no. Well, I'll send you a photo definitely. Um, well, um, I mean, that's I've sort of tried. To, I think the postcards are worth about a hundred, two hundred bucks. So I've sort of put yes. four hundred dollars in the lanyard. I could be wrong. The tote bag could be worth six hundred, <laughs> and the lanyard could only be worth fifty. But anyway. Mm. We'll see how we go. So that was that. And then the last song of the year, Tom, for one week is what? Once um, again. Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. That's right. The Queen of Christmas trademark and copyright Mariah Carey 2018 <laughs> is back, Ben. Yep. And that'll be the case until I die. The sun so, yeah. out. Yeah. Did you know, Ben, that this song has been released as a cover by at least 136 different artists? <laughs> Fuck. Now, Hit me with some of the Which big ones. is your favourite cover, oh, Ben? Okay. Uh, is, is it the fifth harmony? Mm-hmm. Or are you more of a bowling for soup man? <laughs> Fucking hell. Perhaps uh, you just prefer the 2011 self cover by Mariah Carey plus, oh, yeah. plus Justin Bieber. Yeah, okay. Who usually gets his Christmas presents by rummaging through Ed Sheeran's waste paper basket for songs he can <laughs> rescue. <laughs> so I understand it. One of those is all he needs to get him through to the next year. Uh, look, I haven't heard the Bowling for Soup cover, but um, given that it's Bowling for Soup, mm. I'm assuming that it will be my new favourite <laughs> yes. going forward. So, I don't mind but this. Fifth Harmony, though, I mean, oof. I know, I know. That was not that. That was like 2015 as well. I was like, I'm surprised they're still together. I thought they'd all go on their separate ways by then. Yeah, well, I Didn't think they all fucking hate each other. <laughs> yeah, well, I think friend of the podcast. Um, Camilla oh, is, yes. is uh, the voice she of... left, but I, I think the other four stayed together ah, to, okay. the... to do fourth harmony. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> they probably still prefer performing that working from home <laughs> song, which everyone's like, yep. oh yeah, it's great. I get to you know just do my Zoom meetings at home, and it's like, no, the song's about your husband taking a day off work to uh, fucking dick right. the living shit out of me. But you know, it's fine. Anyway, um, so yeah, don't don't have anything more to say about all I want for Christmas. You, I'll try and think of something next week because I, I assume it will be fucking in there again so. forever. So, incidentally, my favourite cover is of course the zebra head. Fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still keeping it real. Uh, um, that's good. Now, zebra head, uh, what F tier new metal or sort of? Yeah, like that sort of post new metal in the sort of puddle of mud. 
era. Where it's just it's, kind of like shitty rock music. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. sort of Nickelback, Daughtry kind of thing. Fantastic. They had That's one good. half hit that had like Pamela Anderson in the video or something Jesus like that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. Good it's the only way anyone would give a shit about them. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, yes. We will post the playlist. Check out the music videos. We'll be back next episode with 2021. Yep. Uh, see you then. Farewell. <laughs> Take care. Bye.